Welcome, fans of the Justice League universe. My name is Sam. Oh, and my name is Nick. That's my favorite part, so um, I was enraptured. You got lost in the moment there. Absolutely. My name is Nick Begovich, and uh, normally I just write for the show, uh, but today I'm joining Sam for an audio commentary on Justice League, and I'm uh, super excited. Yeah, so if you want to get uh, queued up on the movie with us, we are going to pause it 14 seconds into the movie, which is right after the WB logo goes dark. When it gets dark, hit pause. It should be right about 14 seconds. Um, so go ahead and get it set up there while we do a little bit of introductions here. So Nick, you mentioned you've been writing with the show for a while. So we brought you in towards the latter part of Suicide Squad. Because no one else wanted to do it. <laughs> as, as people might have noticed, like Alessandro is not the biggest fan of Suicide Squad. I was okay with it, but I didn't like love it. And we were trying to make our way through the rest of the analysis, and we needed a little bit of a pick-me-up. And so I noticed you on the webs, and uh, you had some nice things to say, some insights on Suicide Squad. So we brought you in, and, and now you're helping us with Justice League, kind of all hands on deck for this one. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, we've all come together as our own little Justice League. I was looking at the, the notes for the next episode, and it's just funny to see, like, four different people uh, with input on it. And a, a lot of input to be had, but uh, in that analysis, we try to take, we try to be grounded in the movie itself, and we try to react to what's actually shown on screen and, and connect what's there, and we try not to get in too much of the behind-the-scenes drama and all that stuff that's, like, separate from the actual presentation of, on, of what's on the screen. Now, in this commentary, it's going to be a little bit more freeform, so, you know, different things might come up. We're kind of going to keep it pretty open-ended about what comes up. We are going to try to keep a little bit of a positive slant on it, because both of us do like the movie for what it is. We'll talk about some things that, you know, maybe could have been um, something else, but uh, we'll try to keep it overall a kind of a positive spirit with just some regular kind of critiques as we go, but it's not going to be, we're not going to be ragging on this like some people maybe are doing online. Yeah, um, you know, a lot of people have a lot of negative stuff. You know, people are really, I don't know, man, people are growing really hard on this movie, and I understand the, the instinct, mm -hmm. you know, just wanting to do that, and that's fine, I get it. Nobody, I think, wanted to see Zack Snyder's Justice League more than I did, but I don't know, man, it's not what we got. Right. You know, okay, real quick side note, real quick, like, movie history time uh this isn't the first time this has happened mm -hmm. and it's not even the first time it's happened to a superman sequel i don't think i don't know if a lot of people know this but richard donner shot superman the movie and superman 2 back to back and uh it was actually taken out of his hands before superman the movie came out because warner brothers lost faith in his ability to like produce a movie because they hadn't seen the whole thing yet they hadn't seen the completed special effects and they were like oh my god we're gonna lose like a gajillion dollars mm -hmm. as they fired him and they brought on a different director who they had already shot so much of superman 2 and this guy actually went back and reshot tons of scenes yeah made it into a completely different movie not a completely different but i mean very different from what richard donner had in mind very different from superman the movie mm -hmm. and it's literally like Justice League just 40 years ago. <laughs> but 20 years later, 25 years later, they let Richard Donner come back and recut his footage back into the movie and make his version of it. So yeah. hopefully it doesn't take 25 years, but we could get Zack Snyder's Justice League eventually. So just be patient, guys. I mean, it's not an ideal situation, but take a deep breath. I don't know. At least we got a Justice League. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and my feeling is it's actually not that bad if you have like a, a positive frame of mind on it. Right. If you want to go down the rabbit hole of just thinking about what could have been and everything that every, everything that your dreams, you know, were hoping for and all this stuff. Yeah. That can just get really negative. But I'm not sure what the point of that negativity is. So let's let's get into the movie and we can kind of talk about some of that as we go. Um, so if you have it queued up. After the WB logo, right when it disappears, hit pause. That's the should be about the 14 second mark or so, and we're gonna go from there in just a moment here. So I will count down three, two, one, play, and then we will go together. So you ready to do this, Nick? Oh yes. All right. So let's do three, two, one, play. Nailed it. <laughs> All right, feeling good. So uh, we get you know some good opening type of stuff at the beginning. Um, I'm who's hoping. The, who is Access Entertainment's production company? That's one that I honestly just not very familiar with, and I did not one. do I my if homework. That's Joss Whedon or something. <laughs> I have no clue. I actually do not know anything about that one. The the new WB or the new uh, DC intro is really cool because it reminds me of Justice League uh, Unlimited, or actually just Justice League, not Justice League Unlimited. That was different, but you know. Well, it's kind of a mixture of the two because, like, the beginning with the main characters definitely feels like Justice League, but then because yeah. there's so many in that pantheon, that feels like unlimited scope, you know. So it's a good move too, just using every character. I kind of like this scene, yeah. the little uh, the uh, cell phone thing. Nice shout out to podcasters. That's fun, <laughs> but I really like what he has to say about the S. It's like a river; it comes and goes. That's just so nice. That's so Superman. Yeah, it's not bad. It's it, like this this suit and this logo and the symbol have really been infused with a lot of meaning through the trilogy, and so I thought that was nice to like bring that meaning into this movie as well, because uh, that was really something that they focused on a lot at the beginning. Now I will say, so this is one of the things that I wanted to say about like the way that you approach this movie really matters. So I'm honestly telling people for these scenes, look at Henry Cavill's eyes and just focus on his eyes and the bridge of his nose. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, if you can have the discipline to do that, it makes a huge difference. Hey, um, so I know it might be hard, but go for it. Men can't fly, and when you shoot bullets at them, the bullets make holes in them. Nothing in movies is real. Just goddamn. All right, it, he, his lips look weird. Get over it. And look up. And honestly, if you look up then your brain just makes it say, yeah. like, oh, that's a human's face, and it's all fine. It's when you stare at his mouth that it, it becomes a problem. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, it, I've honestly done that. It took me, it was like my fourth time watching it, and I made myself do that, and it helped a great deal. So um, that's something here. Now, now there's Batman reflected in the glass. Uh, nice little touch for his entrance. Like this shot of his of him perched on the side there, it's kind of like an uninteresting angle, the like, the city kind of looks cool and it feels like Gotham, but the straight on angle is not cool. But I do like the reflection where you kind of get a peek at him first. And this is actually a pretty good uh, idea, giving us some classic Batman stuff to remind us that this is Batman. This is how good he is at fighting crime. A little context and, for the rest of the movie. Yeah, and this is his, like, before Justice League, this is his terrain. He's like, he's rooftops, he's with criminals, and he is investigating something larger. Like, he's investigating a threat. But by the end of the movie, it's very different. He's in a different context with people around him. So I think they're setting it up to show the change and, like, where Batman starts to where he is going eventually. Oh, yeah, Batman really, he's he's kind of, uh, he's like our window into this world of gods. Um I have this whole thing about how he's like a prophet. More on that in the next Justice League episode of the show. 
He's mm-hmm. he's like the he's like a normal guy. I mean, as much as Batman can be a normal guy, but compared to Cyborg, the Flash, Wonder Woman, Superman, and Aquaman, I mean, he's like a regular human being. So this is uh this shows that what a badass he is facing off against uh, even like one parademon. But then later on, you know, when, when the actual gods show up, he's like, "Yeah, I'm just gonna be in the corner, you guys. You guys got this, right? Okay, I'll be mm-hmm. over here. I mean, you know, that's all I can do." Yeah, yeah. I think that's nice that the kind of to put him as the like we always know he's the human on a like metahuman team, but I think that's a nice way to look at it in terms of he's the prophet for these like yeah gods or demigods kinds of people. I will say for the first time now, I just noticed that when he's riding the parademon, he actually does do a circle around that skyscraper and come back. Because I was always like so surprised that he's back on the same building that he started on. But I tried to watch it carefully this time, and he actually does do... He, like, banks and goes around that skyscraper and does come back around. Because <laughs> the first time I watched this, I was just really surprised that the guy was right there. Like, Because I thought that they had, yeah. like, flown into the city somewhere else, but he actually did come back around. So they really... Uh, try to really make these three boxes super clear and i think this is like some of the course correction from bvs like in bvs the they trusted the audience to really connect the dots and infer things and uh and the audience didn't all rise to the occasion some of us tried to but uh here i think they're like we need to make it really clear to the audience these three boxes and so this is like one of the moments where it's like let's show them very clearly let's have alfred comment on them like it's it's impossible to miss yeah, I, uh, Doctor, my my personal hero, Doctor Awkward, likes to call those call call that a movie for people who like to chew their food. And this is a little more like a Marvel movie. It's a little more like like that whole scene was Joss Whedon, right? I mean, right? I Don't we all so, kind yeah. of agree? Yeah, like that was yeah all added later. And it, because honestly, again. I don't want to be all negative, but, like, why, if he explodes, why would he explode with the secret plans all over the wall? That, I just don't, there's literally yeah. no reason for that to happen, <laughs> and that just seems like a kind yeah. of, like, oh, but put the boxes in there, okay. Yeah, just stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of like, yeah, why is that there, except for just to try to really beat the audience over the head with it. Now, I mean, for me, I have a lot of positive things to say about this montage, though, like, oh yeah, the feel, like... You know, we, we saw Superman, we saw Batman, we're going to see Wonder Woman. So I think they're trying to, like, establish the Trinity so that they can then move forward into their character arcs. Um, but now we need to really have this emotional moment where you need to set up the emotion of the world. And, you know, Batman is doing his Batman thing, but you realize, like, no, he's still following up on the death of Superman, and that's still affecting him. And now we get to feel the emotion of that effect uh, on a personal level and on, like, a global level. Well, the only other movie that really deals with this is Suicide Squad, and it's why it's one of the reasons I like that movie oh, yeah. so much because it's it's you know a world without a Superman. You know, it's it's a big deal to have Superman be around and then have him be gone all of a sudden, and that's a. Uh, I like that there's yeah. some time spent on that before we get into the meat of the story, and to just have it do it in a really nice musical montage. Honestly, this is great. Yeah. Yeah, and I like how the music shifts here. It becomes like more violent, like right as we go into this part. Of, like at first, it's kind of sadness and mourning, and now we're also realizing like, oh, there's also anger and turmoil and a little bit of like a loss of control because our protector is gone, and you know that can just feed on itself. Now, this actor—is this true? Is was that Jimmy Olsen right there, throwing him down what? on the on the car hood? The actor who played Jimmy Olsen in the I previous hadn't ones, heard I believe. That re- I just watched that. Really doesn't look like him. 
we can uh, our listeners can check on that. I, I'm not positive, but I thought I heard that. Now here we get the nice. Oh, there's like a couple vans driving over the bridge and like mm-hmm. pan over to follow those. A nice little transition. And the clear setting, like we can really tell we're in London, uh, so that's kind of nice in terms of establishing. Not the a bank, by here. the way. This is this is the Old Bailey, which is uh, London's, which is mm-hmm. like England's highest court. So it's kind of like a kind of like Lex blowing up the uh, you know uh, the yeah, House of Congress. Yeah. Bop, bop, double tap. Yeah, boy. That's how you get them. Can't just put one bullet in there. It's got to be two. You got to make sure that brain is nice and messed up. Anyways. Yeah. And that to me is interesting, their like plan where he was going to go in and then they knew that the attention was going to go to the people at the van with the huge rifles and so he's already in position to take care of it. Like, to me, I'm just really struck by how confidently they go in here. Like, it's not just how lethally and deadly they go in, but just look how confident he is right now and like yeah. as they're going. Like, this is one of the most, you know, important buildings in the in this country, and he is wa- walking in like he owns the place. I recognize that guy. Man, I really should have gotten on IMDb before we watched this. Right, where's that guy from? <laughs> He's from Game of Thrones or something, right? I, I don't know. It's really bothering me. Uh, I, I can't place them exactly. So, um, here definitely a, a big shot that you knew was part of the plan for this scene. When they put her in London, they're like, we want to put her up on Lady Justice. Yeah. Uh, so again, Great it's kind of cool for, especially for the Brits who you know have a lot of connection to that statue. Good use of the lasso here for sure. I think they could have framed the shot a little bit differently so there wasn't like kind of an upskirt thing, but yeah, I'm, yeah. I mean, it I, seems like that would have been an easy thing to fix, but I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know who shot what. It's hard to tell sometimes, so I, I don't even try yeah. to worry about it. Yeah, this is a nice way though to build the tension. So like we got a lot of tension from when they took the building, and now we get the rising tension as the the guy in the lasso, you know, alludes to the bomb, and then we see the bomb. So it's really paced well in this scene. I mm-hmm. think it it builds us up, builds us up, builds us up until the big like release of Wonder Woman. Damn, I love take, that shot. Care of it. Oh yeah, it's and also I thought that's a nice echo of what we saw in the Wonder Woman film too. Like she had some entrances like that before, so we're kind of. We're sort of coming to expect her to make some nice entrances into the room. You know, living wrecking ball. It's so cool. <laughs> That's uh, you know, the the whole speed thing and that jump. Um, one of the themes in these movies has always been uh, about like pushing yourself further. It starts with Man of Steel, but it's present in all of them. And I like this. I like that in the last seventy or hundred years. She's learned that oh, I can just like zip across the room, and that's like this right here. Like that's it's a logical progression of her abilities, and uh, yeah. I really like that. Yeah, it's cool to see them kind of powering up, and it does make sense because a lot of time has passed. So I like the little spinning move when she's on her knees. Uh, I also like the the continuity. So in the Wonder Woman film, she does a lot of sliding on the floor in her attacks and stuff. Yeah. I like that they kind of incorporated that here too. It's very agile. So here we get some on, they actually went to Iceland and filmed this. Uh, so that's pretty cool location work. Worth it. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty epic. And again, like good, good establishment, you know, like that really felt like London where we were. And now this really feels like Iceland and, you know, remote part of the world and the cold and stuff. It's also very Batman of him to get up on a ledge and look down on a little town. 
Yep, definitely. Even when he's Bruce, that's a that's a Batman kind of stance. Now here he's so Bruce says, you know, I'm asking for your help. So to me, this is key. Like they're they're starting to already let us know Bruce's arc. Like this is really a big step for him to actually say, I'm asking for help. You know, like think about that. That's Bruce Wayne asking for that. So he's he's coming into a new phase of his life in this movie. Yeah, this is a, this is what I was talking about. Him being a prophet, like he is reaching out for humanity as a human to the gods, you know, trying to mm-hmm. bring them together. So it's not just him, like you know, like bringing together the Justice League. There's also that element of like Prometheus going up to Mount, Ev- or yeah, you know, Mount Olympus, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I mm-hmm. like that about uh, his uh, the take on his character in these Zack Snyder movies. Because if they're gods and he's just a man, then you know what kind of a yeah. man deals with gods? I like that. Yeah, and that's a cool, like, there was also the bigger decision to make Bruce the one that's trying to pull the team together, and then Diana kind of helps him do that. Mm -hmm. But in an alternate version of these movies, there might have been, like, Superman pulling the team together or something. But I like, thematically, I like what you're talking about, and I like the decision to have Bruce actually be the one to pull the team together. And it's very meaningful him to do that because he is such a loner, and he had been in such a, like, isolated place before this. And that's that's uh, what I love about comic books. This is what I love about comic books is there's a million ways to tell this story, this story of yeah. the Justice League coming together, and, they, and like a uh, hundred of them have already been told. You know, you yeah. have just uh, anybody can come along and say, uh, "But what if uh, what if it happened this way?" And that's that's storytelling. That's like the heart of storytelling is bringing your own thing to it. And and this is just Zack Snyder and Joss Whedon. Uh, this is them doing their version of it. I love it. Yeah. Now we should talk here about Aquaman, Arthur Curry here. Um, the other fun thing with these characters is to put them together and have some like really memorable, iconic interactions. And I think th- Arthur throwing him against the wall uh, is just a really iconic way for them to have their first meeting. Um, so that just just on a pure like kind of gut reaction level, it's, it was cool to see that. And you're also kind of sizing up the strength and stuff that they have. Um, get to see you know a little bit of Arthur here getting ready to go in the water. Um, but the, the interactions between them is good. Is just really fun to watch. This uh, Arthur is insanely strong. Um, they uh, they do that thing in Batman versus Superman where they show you the the sort of data on the screen when the the underwater oh, uh, yeah. vehicle um, is you know taping him, and he's uh-huh. if I remember thirty seven thousand feet down. Wow! The so the water pressure, pressure is... is incredible. It's like a ton. It's like yeah. tons per square inch, and oh, he just yeah, yeah. he can just like throw his spear. That guy is insanely strong. Yeah, that uh, that I'm shot sure. of him taking off his borrowed jacket and jumping into the oh, water yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, cleverly mirrors Clark coming out of the water wearing only pants and stealing clothes and a jacket in Man of Steel. Uh, nice, nice, good connection. Yeah. The inverse kind of of that. Mm-hmm. It's good. Yeah, Snyder likes to use mirrors and stuff like that. Uh, like Batman versus yeah, Superman. Definitely. The beginning reflects the end. Things like that. That's what I was looking for more of in this movie. and At least we got some of it. A eh? little bit of it. Yeah, a little bit of it. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and I think also that the interactions with Arthur and Bruce... It sets up a little bit of them, like you know. Obviously, they did not get up on the on the very good foot. Yeah. So it's very cool at the end to see Arthur like uh, riding the Batmobile. So like they've come a long way yeah. from their first interaction. So uh, I so again from BVS, you know, I I really like this Alfred. Um, I think he's a good partner for Bruce. 
um, just in terms of the character work that they have and the way that Alfred can kind of be this voice in Bruce's ear, but the audience gets to hear it, I think is really effective. And here we get a little we get a little tease towards like a Bruce Diana thing, but I'm glad that they didn't like go full on romance. I'm glad that it was just sort of a little tease. Yeah, I wonder. I, I on the one hand that could be because remember this scene. You watch the trailer. I'm pretty sure this scene was actually him talking to Diana, not necessarily Alfred. And I wonder if that isn't something Joss Whedon added, or if it was going to build up into something in Justice League too. You know, hashtag until it uh. didn't. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, like just looking at Ben Affleck here, it does look like it's pieced together from some of the original yeah. shoots and some reshoots. But yeah, uh, so we've got we've met. You know, we we've got a scene to establish Superman, uh, Batman, and Wonder Woman like their starting point. Then we met Arthur. Now we're meeting the Flash. So it's you know there's there's a clear like systematic approach that they're taking here to Act One. <laughs> I love that. It's a little, it's a little blur. There's like one frame, yeah. uh, two frames of his hands. It's so good. <laughs> so it's a little risky for him to do that, right? Um, but I, the way I view it is that he's sort of just like, uh, I'm floating around. Nobody can really pin me down, so I can do something kind of risky like this. Oh yeah, he's definitely but, figured I know out. They'll never. Yeah. No, he's definitely figured out like what his limits are, what he can get away with. Mm-hmm. Now here he like did sign his name and so he could be identified, but it's such like it's not an important thing. So like nobody's really going to follow up and do an investigation because of some marker, you know? <laughs> like Well, he and it's so. it's also it's not just him if you think about it in terms of the physics of the Flash. He's not stopping and thinking about it. He once he goes into that super speed mode, he literally has time to look around. Nobody's looking, nobody's looking at this guy. <laughs> They're just going to think he's an idiot. And we're in prison, so he's probably an idiot. So and he has all that time yeah. to, to go through that. It's a cause, cause, and I and I say that because the movie shows us that when he throws the batarang at him, and he literally has time yeah, to yeah. stop and look and think about it. You know, so it's not yep, it's yep. not like That's his right. motion gives him the time. Anyways, yeah, no, you're right. Good point. I like to this scene. I feel like you Did know this. Up? It's, it sets us up well for the Flash character here because it starts with a little bit of humor, but then it goes to some heart, you know, some real emotion yeah. here. Yeah. And I think that's a good preparation for what to expect from him for the rest of the movie. He is going to be he is going to be humorous. He is going to have some personality quirks and stuff, but he has a heart at the core of it. I kind of like the Power Rangers thing of Arthur's orange sweater and um, Barry's red jacket. Nice, yeah, yeah. Oh, but look at him. I think it's well well acted here. Two good actors in that scene. So another good establishing shot here. Let us know. All right, we remember this. Some good connective tissue from BVS and Man of Steel, really. This just uh, hit now, me. This just hit me last night. If they're working uh -huh. on the ship, why haven't the robots tried to kill them? I, I think they're like in another part of the ship, but still, you gotta wonder. Oh, or they found a way to to deactivate him or control oh, him or something. I doubt that, because yeah. because remember when Lex goes <laughs> well when he goes into the command chamber, he's obviously the first person to be able to open it. So I just assume they're just staying in there. So it's not really a problem. <laughs> I just only realized it last night while I was watching Man of Steel. Yeah, well, yeah. when it tries to kill Lois, I was like, no, wait a minute. But yeah, I mean, yeah it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So now, you know, systematically, we have the sixth member of the team. Get a little, you know, establishing scene here. 
Um, really good, again, use, use of reflections there, the family, but he's like separate from the family in, in the shadows here. Uh, just good, a good way to visually set up the like emotional state of Victor. And I think these are key lines. Like, so one of the things that I like about this movie, because I do like this movie, is actually Victor's stuff. And this is maybe like Victor is maybe the best way to talk about like the mindset that you take to the movie. Because I think there's lots of good cyborg stuff in this movie. Oh yeah. Was there also some cyborg stuff cut out? Yes. Oh, but certainly. We we also have good cyborg stuff in the movie, so like, why not focus on that? You know, like this is this is a really good start to the character. It makes me intrigued about what he's going through, how he's feeling about it, his dad's role in it, their relationship, like father and son, but they have this tension and stuff. Like to me, this is a great way to start off a character. He says uh, to see the monster, and then he says, you know. I, uh, uh, it's interesting. He thought it was me. What, what was he referring to? I saw him piece that one together. I think he, I think he, I, I, so I took it as he views his dad as the monster. Like his dad was the monster for doing this. Oh, oh. But his dad was kind of implying that Cyborg is oh, the monster. Oh, yeah. That's, ew. yeah. yeah. Damn. So they basically, they basically each have a kind of a, a thing against the other one. I mean, they, they have the father son bond still, but they have a lot of stuff they have to work through. <laughs> like, so that's to me why it makes me just intrigued in following the character more hey don't we all yeah and and, like they couldn't do that last night so it's like oh wow he's going to be like developing new powers literally from Mm -hmm. moment to moment throughout the movie so i think that's a nice setup as well to like draw the audience in (laughs) i I can't help but think of rick and morty Yeah, so this... Alright, so we said we're going to try to stay positive, but there's definitely a few things here that I would I wish were a little bit different. One of them is, to me, this little shot with the janitor is not as scary or tense as it should have been. It just wasn't filmed as effectively as like some yeah, of the later absolutely. Parademon stuff. Totally. And then, or it, and then or later... if there wasn't more to that that would have brought that, you know... But, and it, this is what I was yeah. saying earlier. We were talking in the group chat... Two hours, zero minutes, one second. I mean, that's the thing you have to remember. But anytime you're like, why, yeah. why isn't there more? Two hours, zero minutes, one second. Like that was a deliberate number. There's yeah. a lot shaved off. But that being said, damn, I love that establishing shot of Themyscira uh, as the island appears yeah. as the camera uh, pans in. That's so good. That's awesome. I I thought so too. I thought it looked beautiful. Um, my wife thought it looked like kind of fake. I'm like, well, I mean, it does start invisible and then come into view, well, so that, yeah, that but, could see. But I thought it looked great. Mystical island in the middle of the, uh, your brain already knows <laughs> it's not real. Just read the comic book. <laughs> you know, like just <laughs> accept it, accept it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, this is also, I think, I think this is kind of a cool concept with the mother boxes um, as a way to to tie together the different, you know civilizations on earth um so i mean i think there was a lot of like conceptually good apparatus to this movie um i think it's a nice way to have the amazons involved have the atlanteans involved and then have uh you know mankind involved as well and they didn't just do it like they didn't just do it because hey let's just put these mother boxes here they built it into the themes of the movie about unity Mm -hmm. about working together and about the danger of like being separated and divided so to me, I think that was probably from Terrio. Like, we're not just going to have something in the plot. We're going to tie the plot into a, a bigger theme. And that's the kind of stuff that I like. All right, here's, so here's the big guy. So we should probably come. So what was your reaction when you first saw Steppenwolf and his entry here into the movie? 
Oh, I don't know. He looks cool and he's scary, and I like his delivery. Kieran Hines is a. Uh, he is in Excalibur, um, the movie that, that I think most informs this series. Uh, if you haven't seen Excalibur, uh, people listening, please, for God's sake, go watch Excalibur. <laughs> he's in that movie, um, and he's mo- he's almost entirely cut out of it. He has, like, two lines, and he had a bigger role, and uh, it got shaved down, not unlike uh, Batman vs. Superman, or this. Uh, so it's nice to see him. Uh, I mean, obviously, he's had a really good career since Game of Thrones and other things. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, I like him here. Yeah, uh, he's going his for vo- it. Voice is uh, pretty cool. Almost there. Oh shit! <laughs> I love this scene. Yes, that's <laughs> so cool. They don't yeah, knock really... the they don't knock the wooden blocks out. They just they, blow they them apart. Them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's so cool. But then it also shows you the strength of these Amazon women, right? Because you just saw the huge pillars that were holding it up, and now they're holding them up. Yes. So, yeah, a lot of strength. That's Zack Snyder. That's 300, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And this is cool. This is also a nice way to just bring a, an early action scene into the movie. You know, like, we're, we're 20-some minutes in, and we get to have a full action sequence here. Hulk jump. <laughs> yeah, I calls him like I sees him. So I and I love the I love the way that he comes down with the axe and hits the ground. I just like the physics of how he does that. That was really good. But yeah, here's some uh, tackling with some horses. The parademons come in to cause some trouble. Yeah, it's it's good momentum to the scene. Though. It has a lot of energy like moving forward, and the the mother box is a good way to like track the the momentum and the energy. But. That, uh, I, I like to keep using lasses, which really helps uh, illustrate why uh, Diana is so ready to mm-hmm. lasso everything. Oh, I love that shot. Yeah, heroic sa- that, that's, that's another theme her, um, that, that comes in these movies a lot, is this heroic sacrifice of relatively yeah. normal people, especially soldiers. Um, the Amazons do it here, but in the other movies, it's always mm-hmm. like... U.S. infantrymen, but always, always like really cool ones, like Rangers and Seals, and they're nothing in the face of a god. But they try, damn it, and they yeah, and, and some, through their sacrifice, out there. yeah, through yeah. their sacrifice, they they do it, and that's uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, I just like that. Yeah. Now here, you know, we've had the excitement, we've had some death and stuff, but now here it brings a little more personal edge to it by having Hippolyta actually go right up to the woman as she's you know passing away, and brings a more of a an edge to it. She's a great leader. And then this, yeah, Steppenwolf flicking the arrow ways. Yeah. Pretty good to hear. Now, the, the you will love me thing, I'm not sure if that really follows through, like in the rest of the movie. No, it do doesn't, you... but that's definitely okay. a dark side thing. Like, that is absolutely, that would have been a, that's that's a definitely a hashtag until it wasn't kind of thing. Because that's Could what be. the, uh, like, the yeah. anti-life equation is all about, you know, dark side is. Rock of Ages, read it. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot more Amazons than I thought. I guess. <laughs> yeah, aren't there like thousands of them? It's a pretty big island. I, I mean, I guess so. Yeah. I, I live in like like a geographically small town, but there's like four thousand people here. It's not a big place. Yeah. You know. So I yeah. mean, honestly, it doesn't surprise me. And they're all warriors. That's so cool. well. I'm actually not. They have like senators and stuff, but like. Uh, right. I love that there's just like this huge untapped army just fighting each other all the time. Yeah. It's very Metal Gear Solid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this is a nice way to connect the Amazon stuff back to the, you know, the Justice League heroes 
in man's world. Yeah, because I know nothing about the world and like famous architecture. I literally thought she was just lighting up a, a, a um, you know, a uh, a building on the other side of the island. No, this is actually what is this a Parthenon or something? I, I... Yeah. So I yeah I took it as somehow she could shoot that arrow like all the way over the water into another. But no, it's like way body. cooler than that. <laughs> <laughs> it's... Yeah. So this sort of humor I like. Like I think this works, you oh, know, because yeah. we we just last saw her saving all those kids and everything, and now for her to just say, "Oh, nothing interesting," as she's polishing up some Greek stuff. Like I think that humor works pretty well. There's some other spots where I don't think the humor works quite as well. But but that's there's... also true of like Zack Snyder movies. So I mean, honestly, yeah, yeah, I, I, I've I've brought this up sometimes. Like in Man of Steel, there's a few moments where I also wish they were like changed um like specific things they don't ruin the whole movie but they're just for a moment i wish it was different or the dialogue was different now here this is one i don't like this humor of the probe because i think it undercuts what was supposed to be like we're supposed to be worried about the scientists and people that are getting abducted we're supposed to be worried about the parody we just had that insanely badass dramatic moment and then she's just like hi aliens and okay lady yeah and the the kidnapping by the parademons is supposed to be what we are worried about right now and to just make jokes you're you're not just making jokes during the tension you're actually making jokes about the tension like about the thing that's supposed to be scary and worrying us so like i did not like that at all and i also didn't like that to be like the backdrop of lois and martha's scene the backdrop was the probing stuff so that was one where i'd like eh, just take that out (laughs) you know i'm not against humor but I'm, i'm against certain kinds of humor that undercut the the bigger things that are supposed to be moving in the movie. I for me here it's more about timing than anything. You know, it's just uh, I think and and wasn't isn't it kind of uh, like this scene where they have their little heart to heart was in a completely different location. So that's kind of a good indicator. This is Joss Whedon, which you know, yeah. uh, and, and probably the reason now now probably the reason it was changed wasn't because he was like it needs more jokes. We're just going to completely reshoot it. No, it probably. The way that scene played out, the amount of time that it took, the things they were talking about made more sense in whatever three-hour version, a three-hour, zero-minute, one-second version of this uh, that existed before. So, you know, that's something to keep in mind. But the end result, what they did with it, uh, yeah, I'm not really a fan. Yeah. And I I suspect part of the directive was to put in some more jokes. So I think for, like... Each of the scenes he's reshooting, he did try to put in some jokes, um, and some of them oh, were ill-advised. Yeah. But yeah, that, and, which is the result of people just eh, Superman should be funny. Tell me, name a Superman comic that's like famous for how funny it is. Name one, and I, I gotta let that go. <laughs> but damn, that makes me mad. Yeah. So here, so what do we actually get from the scene? So we get that Lois is, you know. A lot of people were seeing how they deal with loss, and so here we find that like Lois, she's had to take a step back at work. She's kind of like reevaluating like what she can work on, how she feels about it. Um, and Martha, how's Martha dealing with the loss? She's actually like giving up her home. She's moving. Um, so it does tie into this bigger theme of how people deal with loss. And then we see Cyborg here, who's who's dealing with his own loss, like of his actual life, and you know the loss of his being that was before and now he's this new thing so i think it does connect to the idea of dealing with loss oh yeah Um, this is this is cool like 
again, it's like, oh, wow, I have a new power now, and I heard myself being talked about, so let me look at it, and then he has access to all yeah. of Bruce's Batcave stuff, so that's pretty... It shows Cyborg's power, right? Like, wow, he can tap into even, you know, Wayne Manor kind of stuff. Yeah, it's like nothing to him. And that's that's really driven home when he uh, produces the key, the command key for the for the scout ship later on. Like, oh, it's, it's any technology anywhere in the universe which really illustrates how powerful the new gods are yeah and then of course diana again to go it's same thing with her she's just she like go uh, right through it too. yeah i'm just gonna yep. open this i'll open this door and walk in here it is nothing to me yeah so so we've got at least two of the justice leaguers that have no trouble whatsoever infiltrating yeah cave. yeah it's pretty good well and and, and uh all of which to goes to illustrate just how far out of his depth even Batman is here. <laughs> yeah, and I think we see that later too, like physically when he has the bruising and, you know, he needs help getting his suit off and stuff. Like that's showing like physically he's really got too much to handle. So it's a good thing he has the, the Justice League around him. Oh my God, I wish we could it. I just want the longer this version is, of this scene. This yeah, so this... <laughs> Did you see so, the like, illustrations that, of the is, gods for this scene? With, like, yeah, the metal arms? Oh, so cool. So, like, this this stuff is great, but, yeah, it, I would have taken twice as much and would have been happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now here, again, being, like, very explicit about the mother boxes. and I mean, at some point you were going to have to have some kind of history lesson, you know, like... Um, but here they're just having them talk about it in... A little bit more of a direct way like bruce is like yeah i've been seeing this and she's saying oh this is what they are so i don't you know it's not bad they're just trying to really make sure that the audience is on board with what those mm-hmm. mother boxes are and what's going on and some of them still missed it like some of the some of the audience still thought that like steppenwolf was the one that's gonna like conquer the world and it's really no the unity is the thing that like that takes over the world and stuff and steppenwolf is just there to kind of usher it in you know But this is good. So, like, now we're seeing, like, if mankind and the Amazons and the Atlanteans, if they join together, then they are stronger than they are apart. And that's, you know, obviously that's one of the the big themes of the movie. Green Lantern. I'm so glad there's a Green Lantern oh, in this movie. Cool. I, I'm a huge yeah, Green Lantern fan. And, um, and I, I'm actually, you know, it's kind of a bummer to not have all seven Justice League members. But if you were going to pick one... Like, I say save the best for last and bring Green Lantern to Justice League 2. I'm very excited to see that. So to get a taste yeah. of it here, awesome. Yep, I think it, I think it was fine. I, I'm pretty excited about it. And I think the six characters we had was a, a good number to have. Oh, yeah. Um, so here, you know, he, he feels disgraced that he has lost. And he's basically like in exile all the way till he gets brought back. And you know, that, that shot of them day. dragging him back onto the ship is a lot like the Kryptonians dragging Zod back onto his uh, scout ship uh, after he goes flying to the gas station in Man of Steel. Just all these little yep. visual things that Zack Snyder does. I just, I love it. I love it. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. So now we get to see the mother boxes being put into place. And so this here is a, a the Atlantean parts of foreshadowing that hey we're going to get a little action scene around that mother box too. Like the audience can put it together. Like oh we just saw Steppenwolf and the Parademons go to Themyscira and get that one. So I'm guessing they're going to go underwater. So it's a nice way to like build our anticipation for that scene coming later. Yeah. An age of heroes. So yeah, that's a little bit of you know the age of heroes coming back. Although the the line like the age of heroes 
thought it would never return. It has to. Is actually not in the movie, is it? It was in one of the trailers. That sounds but, right. Yeah. That uh, that happened on uh, Last Jedi. There's a line that where where Luke says, um, "It's time for the Jedi to end." That was actually something they had him record for the trailer, and Ryan Johnson was like. You know what? That's actually a better line, and they just put it in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So here they're talking about you know these are going to be the two people recruiting. So um, the dig them up is a <laughs> nice little line in terms of like rebirth and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Cyborg and Superman are really the two that have kind of had a death, you know. But by the end, they will sort of have a rebirth of sorts. Um, I thought this was all right to show that Cyborg is. Like, once Cyborg saw that Bruce Wayne is Batman and that he was talking to Alfred about Cyborg, it makes sense that Cyborg would kind of try to check them out and see what was going on. You know, Superman, uh, there are elements of him reflected in all these characters. Barry is Superman before he became Superman. Uh, Victor is Superman now, dead and being reborn. Uh, They Mm -hmm. they all have something in common with the guy. I like that. They they all Mm -hmm. come back to Superman. Aquaman's strength is almost just like this. Um, yeah. Okay, so uh, so this is reflected. Uh, there's a shot in um, Batman vs Superman where uh, Barry first appears to Bruce, and Barry in that scene already knows Bruce. Bruce has never heard of Barry Allen or the Flash, and he appears to him through a rift in time, and we see him framed on the uh, what on the left, the right side of the screen, reaching out with his arm to Bruce as Bruce leans back in awe. And then uh, a moment from now, Bruce is going to throw his battering. Bruce, who knows who Barry Allen is, knows that he's a Flash, and Barry Allen has yeah. probably never heard of Bruce Wayne. Uh, and now Bruce is in Barry's home, and uh, in mm-hmm. a second he's going to throw the battering. Barry is going to lean back from the battering while Bruce is, you know, standing frozen in time with his arm outstretched. It's not just like a visual reversal of that scene from BVS. Here it is. It's also mm-hmm. a thematic reversal, and it's just. Yep. It's just perfect. This is that Alan Moore shit, man. Like, this is that Watchmen shit. You know, you can tell that, like, Snyder had to, when he made Watchmen, he had to do it linearly. He had he wanted to go, like, you know, panel by panel, chapter by chapter, and mimic that story without mm-hmm. telling it the way that story is told in the comic. He, you can see how that must have been boiling over for him for a few years to want to tell a story in that style. And that's what BVS is to me, and that's what I think this would have been, is that real Alan Moore style reflecting, uh, you know, circular loops in the story. Um, Yeah, yeah. Just real unique stuff. Right, like the the, uh, deleted scene with Superman, which we now have, like, on the Blu-ray and stuff, like, that seems like exactly what you're talking about, right? Like, they are thinking about Man of Steel... And yeah. then we're saying, like, all right, we're going to have something very meaningful come back as as Clark is walking through the scout ship again and, and then choosing his suit, you know, um, and foregoing the other things that he passes up. Like, that that is probably the Alan Moore level stuff that you're talking about. That almost made it in if they would have had another minute to spare. <laughs> Sweet car. Yeah, so here's a little bit of product placement, but I think it's I'm okay with it because it's literally it's kind of just adding on to the joke about I'm rich. Like I think that's a good joke, and then oh, man. seeing you seeing know, the, the close up of the vehicle is just it's just adding to the joke. I think. Don't, don't get me started on product placement because uh, you know for me um, it's all it's not it's 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 kind of like Transformers, but but like cooler. Like remember Transformers? Like a huge portion of that movie's budget 
was just straight up paid for by GM because they used they used all GM cars, but that made yeah. sense because they're all cars. What are you gonna do? Make yeah. fake cars? No, just make them like Fords and stuff. Anyways, um, here there's a point being made about the pervasiveness of uh, of um, big corporations in everyday life. You go to Smallville and there's an IHOP, there's a Seven Eleven, there's a uh, you know there there's a Sears. Mm-hmm. That's I live in a small town. That's I think a little bit bigger than Smallville. We have a McDonald's, a Subway, a Speedway. I could go on. We have yeah. all these huge businesses. The, the, the cor- first... corporations have infiltrated everywhere, yeah. Yeah, which, which speaks to both Bruce Wayne and Lex Luthor's power because that's what the world is like. The first shot mm-hmm. you see of Africa in Batman vs. Superman in the extended cut is a guy handing Jimmy Olsen a Coke. Yep. You know, yep. it's that's, that's how far this stuff reaches, and uh, that's what the world is like. So, you know, yeah, yeah. he gets in a Mercedes-Benz. What else was he going to drive? An mm-hmm. Audi? No, he's richer than that. I'm sorry, Tony Stark. <laughs> so, uh, uh, you know, 30 seconds ago or something, they showed some a clip of Cyborg, and that's the one where we'll have to figure it out in our scene-by-scene analysis because mm. Cyborg has, like, more of his body in that shot. And so... We'll have to see, like, is it just a continuity error, or is there some way that it actually makes sense that at oh, some point he had less oh, no, of his body? Oh, no, I took that as a, if you ever look at his, like, you know, like his original character design from the 80s, he very much looked more uh-huh. like a normal person with kind of, yeah. like, the robot parts were shaped more like a person, and I think that reflects his very fast evolution from, like, a torso to, like, kind of a tin man to this... I'm sorry, monster that uh, he is now, but he, he is scary looking. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think that's deliberate. I don't think that was a mistake or anything like that. He, yeah. I think for a second there, maybe for literally a day, he did look like a guy with normal arms and legs. They were just made of metal. But now he looks like uh, this. And that's uh, that's got to be yeah. unsettling for him. And I, I still, I'll admit, like I have not like actually freeze-framed it yet, which we will do for our scene-by-scene analysis and stuff. But yeah, I, I've just seen it quickly as it goes by, like it like it just did a little while ago. But um, oh so yeah, this, this is this yeah. is a nice setup. Um, so like we mentioned, how Bruce and Arthur are going to have like their arc uh, between their interactions and stuff, and Diana and, and Vic have a very clear one as well that starts here. Like this is where Diana's compassion and her ability to like connect with people in like heart to heart. It's really one of her strengths, and oh, it yeah. works here with with Vic, and that's what Vic needed, right? Like Vic needs not somebody to like push him around or strong arm him. Like Vic needs somebody who will connect with him on a human level because that's what he is like losing, and yeah. she helps him like rekindle it. Wonder Woman's like the best fictional character. <laughs> Actually, I mean, Obi Wan Kenobi is the best fictional character, but still, she's up there. <laughs> But I think it's great to have like uh, empathy and compassion as kind of like part of your superpowers. Yes. I think that's a great a great um, power set to have in on the team. It's like her stated mission is to be that kind of diplomat. Yeah. And now, all right, this is the the, the Cortland. Uh, is that the Cortland? I think is the reference to the Fountainhead or something from Ayn Rand or whatever. But um, this is. Uh, Obviously, we know kind of what to expect here with the water setting. There he comes. I, I think the way he swims in the water looks pretty cool. Yeah, and his stance on that is just awesome. <laughs> his hair, hair going in the water and stuff. It's a great shot. Jason Momoa rules. Yeah, he was a great choice. Like uh, you know, I'm I'm really hoping this Aquaman movie goes well in the fall. But if it does go well, like Zack Snyder uh, basically handpicking Jason Momoa will be a huge reason why, because I think he is a great choice for the role. Aren't those like his real tattoos that just add a little bit to him? 
I think he has some of his own reel, but I think they they enhanced yeah. and added, yeah, yeah, and yeah, made they. I think they made some of it align with the Aquaman costume itself too. Like a quick note about pollution. I'm pretty sure it's actually cool to throw glass into the ocean because it just gets ground up into pebbles. So, okay. Awesome. I just I just don't <laughs> see him like actually. He wouldn't throw a coke can in there. You know what I mean? But yeah. the, the glass bottle, sure. Anyway. Yeah. And he smashed it up, too. So the thing there that bothered me more than the pollution of the litter was uh, that in the trailer there was a shot from, like, straight straight on his back, and then the waves came, like, symmetrically over him. Like, visually, I just liked that symmetry better. I thought it was more powerful. Two hours, one zero in- minutes, one second. <laughs> off, like, having it off to the sign and then side and then having that sign in the shot, to me, yeah. is just is not as impactful. But oh, I agree. So little, yeah. little stuff like that I can kind of nitpick, but... These guys aren't anywhere near as cool as the Amazons. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think uh, this is kind of a nice little intro to them, but I think it's really in a few months is when we're going to get to see their their full potential. Oh, absolutely. I thought that was cool, though, with Mira, though, to to pull the water away, which causes him to fall down. Yeah, that's kind of a cool little good move. Zork. And now. Yeah. I think it's some some pretty good. Uh, I think they did a nice job choreographing the water kind of moves. They kind of thought about like what what can we do that's interesting, but that would be like physical in the water. I thought they came up with some good stuff here. <laughs> I wonder how deep that is. I wonder. I mean, I wonder yeah. where Atlantis oh. is supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, There's still quite a bit of light coming through, so it can't be that deep. Oh, that's a good point. Um, boom, yeah, it's a, I like the old uh, horns coming in. <laughs> uh, the axe, I think, is also pretty cool. Like, the axe and the fact they have the glowing thing. Mm-hmm. I think that's a nice touch to add to the character. Just to give him something memorable, you know, that, that you can associate with the character. Um, so, yeah, this is, I like this scene here with the dialogue between them, and I thought this was a cool way to have um, have them be able to have dialogue down down here. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder how they're going to do that in uh, in Aquaman. Uh, interesting. Yeah, like between like Atlantean to Atlantean, where they it doesn't seem like they would need to do this, or they don't have the power to do it. That's a cool shot. I, yeah, it's good. He's like, he, I think of that as like he's actually a man between two worlds. Oh, you yeah. know, like part Atlantean, part human, and so he's literally like, I have one arm in the water and my feet on the ground. And this is also kind of her accommodating him, being like, uh, all right, land walker, like, hey, lady, come on. Like, no, 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 I'll give you some air so you can hear my words. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So this is interesting. Like, So I, I like the scene a lot for building intrigue for the Aquaman movie because mm-hmm. they allude to this history, you know, like his mother, what happened to her, like what kind of relationship would they have had um how does mira fit in like mira seems to have this respect for the queen and like so to me it just raises a lot of questions where it's like oh they seem to have this history that they're referring to but we just get a taste of it and then in the movie we'll hopefully get a lot more of it nice so the uh, family here old russian family living in chernobyl totally normal totally regular Yeah, I guess the the thought behind this must have been like we're going to have a big action scene, climax is going to take place here. 
but we need to have a personal element. Like I mentioned on Themyscira, like you give a personal element where you show not just people dying, but you really have a close-up of somebody that's in pain and is about to die. I guess they said, like, we need a personal touch to bring the threat home or, like, help us feel and empathize with them or something. I think that must have been the idea for it. Um, the, the execution is maybe questionable, but I, I at least I understand, like, okay, that's what they were going for. That is part of like filmmaking 101 is if you want to have a threat you need to put an actual human there that you can connect to the, the threat with you know yeah it was uh that's one of my favorite things in man of steel is uh yes the city getting destroyed in the abstract is scary but do jenny when she's trapped under the rubble that's so yeah. affecting yep exactly yeah that and that was a m- more b- like better executed version of it yep um but this is so, pretty cool yeah, it's like this is just two of them, and they're it's already you know showing some signs of power here. Um, so this here is a little bit of insight into Steppenwolf, right? I'll take my place among the new gods. Uh, he wants to find the last box, but and then this is where we're gonna get the uh, the, the soul <laughs> reference. He's definitely uh, related to Dark Side. He's just killing one of them just just because, not even to make a point. He's like, I'm just gonna murder somebody real quick. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now here's the third straight down shot that we get. We had one in Gotham, one at Themyscira, and now one here at the at the stones. In Metropolis. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I think a better, like to me, a, a better filmed, scarier use of the parademons abduction there. Yo, it's my and boy, it the yellow M&M. What up? <laughs> Did you know that? Did you know he's the voice of the yellow M&M? Yeah, yeah, I think I did, yeah. I just found that out. <laughs> Versatile. Now, he's a good actor. I'm very glad to have him in the universe. Uh, hoping everything works out with the Batman where he's still around because I think he, he's he got a lot more to offer here as Commissioner Gordon. But pretty good here, just like tying together like these abductions. Like, okay, these abductions are happening. We need to check them out, you know. May, maybe Batman's involved, probably not, but that it makes it makes sense that Commissioner Gordon would want to check with Batman about it. So that's a, a functional scene to introduce this to Commissioner Gordon and, and push forward that the plot about the abduction. Yeah, it's actually it's pretty cool. In like five lines, they completely contextualize his relationship to Batman. I, I always like yeah. that in in Batman versus Superman. Like he's not in a lot of incarnations of Batman he's very outside of the law but then in a lot of other incarnations of Batman he's literally a deputized member of the police force and they uh, they, they lean a lot right. <laughs> closer to that here well like in the like in BVS he just like walks into that jail obviously with the warden uh, the warden's assistance and it's like uh-huh. uh, it's uh, I like that because that's even scarier <laughs> it's, like, it's one thing for the police to look the other way it's a completely different thing for them to just be like yeah that's batman um don't piss him off okay yep. <laughs> yep 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 now earlier i mentioned the aquaman shot that i liked better in the trailer with the symmetry of the water this one i liked the trailer shot of batman on the ledge better like oh yeah we just needed to let that linger a little bit longer to see batman on that ledge here it's kind of like obstructed and then he's jumping down i'm like that's just one where it's like come on it'd be it'd be two seconds and it would be a better visual impact. Um, so two hours. So I do definitely. I have these. I have these small minutes, little things. Yeah. One second. I'm sorry, but it's, you know what I mean. Like it's just uh, you lose so much when you just look at it as like a math equation. It's that's a real bummer. 
Yeah, I think this is a good entry though for Cyborg. Uh, I, like to me, it made sense that he actually would come up here and join. Oh, I think yeah. Diana gave him enough of a nudge that this this works. Um, it's nice to have him here for the scene, and I like Diana how she looks at him when she he arrives and stuff. Um, this is a nice little bit of a kind of classic rooftop Commissioner Gordon, you know, like what info do you have? And like Batman, like, oh, that's what I needed. Like, and then he's off, you know, I think it's, it's a nice classic kind of scene. And this humor, I, I don't mind this humor at all. <laughs> I think this is actually pretty good. It's organic. I mean, that's just, yeah. he's just used to it. He's like, okay, whatever. Like, yep. He's <laughs> like, okay, more it also, Batman. It also foreshadows that like the flash is going to be the one that has to kind of learn the ropes still. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. They show that at the rooftop. He's the one that's like a little bit behind is new to all this stuff, and then that's going to happen here in the in the first action scene, too. He needs a little bit of help guidance because he's new to this stuff. Braxton Island. Named for Tony Braxton. No, obviously not. <laughs> I mean, cool location, yep. though. I like this set. Yeah, it's it's a cool production design, and I think... Like from here, start to finish, I actually think this is a really good sequence. Yeah. Uh, I think it's they come into it well. We kind of get a, a feel for like, okay, this is where we are. Everybody does their little superhero cool... thing. Yep, we're, and we can just tell like, okay, we're gonna have some action through these tunnels. You know, it's, we're not just gonna go in here and then leave. Um, yeah. And Steppenwolf is pretty intimidating here. I think this is a good a good villain moment for him. Stench of fear. Why does everyone keep telling me that? That is a good line. Yeah. And I think it's delivered well, yeah. And then we can see, like, this is part of why Flash is going to get a little nervous about it. I, I, don't, like... I don't know if this was added. I don't care if this is added. This is... This is... Yeah, this makes sense. Damn, just... I, having just a yeah. moment. Just a moment just where he's just like, uh, you know what? This is a bit much. Yeah, that's fine. I like that. Right. I think it's good. Like and to me, it doesn't take anything away from Flash that he needs a little bit of encouragement here at the beginning because, just like he says, like he's been doing some slight crime fighting on a totally different level, and yeah. now there's literally a you know a big old Steppenwolf in there with parademons. Flash so, is me, uh, he's he's yeah, Sir Percival from uh, Excalibur again. Excalibur, 1981. John <laughs> Borman. Watch this movie. Yeah, and now here, I think this is also a nice way to bring the League into the scene. It's the extra little impetus of uh, of Silas. Awesome. Yeah, good stuff. He's kind of surprised, too. I like that. <laughs> yep, yeah. It's so like, you know, they're already showing us that Cyborg is only partially in control of what's actually happening. And it reminds so me come of the, play uh, later too. the Blue Beetle Scarab, because I, I don't... Oh yeah, yeah I haven't read good. that many cyborg comics, but usually it seems like he has a lot more control. So I like that that element of it just making decisions for him. Sometimes yeah, now Wonder Woman's yeah Wonder Woman's is in the fray. It's good stuff. I like this uh, landing there. Damn, I just like Amazons. I like the physicality of just her legs and her balance and stuff when she lands. I always liked that. Yeah. Kind of like I, I like uh, when Arthur landed on the boat. I just like the physicality and position yeah. of it. It's, uh, there's yeah, those little like splash that. pages, you know, that there would be like two yeah. pages of one drawing in a comic book. Yeah. And this is perfect here, right? So Flash, he, he does have the courage to do it, and then he does realize, like, oh, I can do that again. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, the the blood of your sisters. That's a pretty like this is a good villain scene. Like he's an intimidating guy. Like he has so much potential as a villain. Like I, uh, I really wanted to see what would have been done with him. Like like Zod is one of my favorite villains in any movie, and Lex <clears throat> Luthor too. And the, yep, Steppenwolf, I, think I don't really know anything them. about, and I just would have loved to see like what was. But here he's just, he has some great moments, but overall he's just like, I'm evil, yeah, but why? Because I'm evil, which, to be fair, is like a very New Gods thing, but at the same time, I'm sure Snyder was going to do something cool with it. And... Yeah, and Terrio too, yeah, so yeah. that's like, yeah, there, there are a few things where it's hard for me to not think about it. One of them is the music, we'll probably talk about that more later, but another <laughs> yeah. one is like Kieran Hines and like Chris Terrio, they talked about Steppenwolf and at one point Heinz said you know like Steppenwolf has this really interesting dynamic where he he's oppressed by Darkseid but he still has to serve Darkseid and like I'm like oh that's a cool angle to take on it like oh but and that that is all the apocalyptic gods they're all like under Darkseid very firmly I always like that about them yeah so and I thought with Terrio like fully getting a chance to do that might have been really cool but I think that a lot of it was lost and I think the actor confirmed that like Steppenwolf was changed substantially in the final version. So that's one where I'm kind of like, oh, man. Because, like, the the Dawn of Justice trilogy, like you said, had Zod, then Lex, two of the three best villains I've ever seen in a comic book movie. And if Steppenwolf could have had some of those extra dimensions to him and uh, dynamics, yeah. then it could have been three for three. Who's your, who's your third? Uh, I think the Joker from The Dark Knight is also oh, yeah, a duh. really good, okay, really good yeah. villain. Yeah, yeah. So sorry, yeah, I talked over some of the stuff, um, but we're getting into the action pretty pretty big time here. And now Flash has been saving people, um, and now this is a chance for him to also help out the team. Right? I'm going to help a teammate. Uh, and the music, I think the music is pretty effective here. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was literally about to say, I, I do like Flash's music. Yeah, that's, yep. And so, okay, since we brought up the, brought up the music, uh, I don't actually think that the music is bad, I just think it's a big letdown from what had been set up by Hans Zimmer. It's, and it's a jarring the shift. Days. That's all. Yeah, if, exactly. if, if this yeah. was, if it had always been Danny Elfman, or if it was just the Justice League movie, it'd be great. But because you're used to um, Hans Zimmer by way of Junkie XL, and then all of a sudden, right. it's like that scene in Family Guy. I know I keep going on about this, but it's that scene <laughs> in Family Guy where John Williams dies, and Danny so, Elfman has to do the soundtrack for Star Wars. Yeah, and then, they're not too happy with that. So, I... I could do without this uh, the Flash joke laying on her. Now, I don't think it's the most offensive thing ever, but I, I probably would have taken it out if it was up to me. And I, and I do like, I, I mean, it's very a very Flash thing of him to zip right off of her. It's pretty funny, pretty funny. Yeah. But again, yeah, like... And he didn't... He, he did probably not, not intend, what Snyder intended, no. Right. He wasn't... And, well, like, the Flash was not trying to find an excuse to lay on Diana. He was just saving her out of the yeah. way. Yeah, And then ended up that way. So, like... Real respectful. Right, yeah, but it's still, I, I probably would have cut it out if I could have, but this is a little good sequence here with the Flash getting taken after he hurt his ankle, you know, or his foot, and Diana saving him, but then Bruce saves her. It's a nice little, you know, everybody's got each other's back kind of thing. I think Diana probably would have been okay anyway, but it's nice of Bruce to try to help, Batman to help. <laughs> I'm helping. <laughs> <laughs> And then this is cool too. Now Cyborg to come in and and something that makes sense, right? He's going yeah. to try to help with the, the technology. <laughs> Do I know you? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, they, I mean, this makes perfect sense, and it's uh, <clears throat> pretty badass. Yep, and I like that humor from Alfred because they're not in direct threat. Like, nobody is about to get stabbed when the humor happens. Like, I don't like the humor when it takes away from what's supposed to be, like, tension or danger. But I think you can fit the humor in in the right moments. And that's cool with the uh, the way that he holds it and then lets it off. I thought that was a pretty cool yeah, idea. Yeah, it's pretty tight. And it also makes perfect sense, right, where Gotham Harbor, so like this is a perfect way to have Aquaman come into the scene. It's like it's well constructed. Like there's yeah. there's some stuff people gotta give credit to the good stuff here. This is a nice organic way to have Aquaman join in. And some people are like, Well, how did Aquaman like happen to be there right in time? Like, well, we just saw in Aquaman that he was coming to help out, and so he would try to come where Steppenwolf was, and so he happens to get here right in time. The the oceans speak to him. I mean, he's saying, you know, what do you want? Uh, so, uh, um, no, yeah, you're right. This is a, this is a really good scene. Uh, more of this, please. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's got, you can really feel the energy and the, the sound, uh, sound design here was good. You can feel it rushing in. Sounded good. And then Cyborg can get them up high enough, at least, that they're out of immediate danger. I like that. Uh, I, I like how much his, his armor, um, Arthur's armor, looks like a plate armor rather than just kind of his normal, more Superman ish kind of superhero outfit. Um, yeah. that's a, I can tell that that's a big obsession of Zack Snyder's is this idea of plate armor, which again comes from Excalibur, but like he gives everyone a chance to be wearing armor like that. Um, even, even in Man of Steel, even the general and the colonel have a moment where they're in that sort of bulky, uh, assault armor that, uh, the military, uh, sometimes gets into. Like, everyone mm-hmm. gets, an, gets a chance, which I kind of feel like maybe at, like, the end of Justice League 2, Superman would have busted out something that looked like Jor-El's armor, and that would have been, oh, so cool. Mm-hmm. I like the moment there between uh, Aquaman and Batman again, continuing on their little repartee, <laughs> yeah. you know. And then Cyborg, so Cyborg didn't just bail. He realized, like, what's more important is we need to secure the mother box. So, like, I, I like Cyborg <laughs> all the way through this movie, I just got to admit. And remember, there was that, there was also that, concept art shot of um him in his own like cyborg version of the plate armor yeah yeah yep so the russian family's still alive for some reason yeah the parademons are not i guess that interested in actually getting them because they could have if they wanted to so does that mean the family's not really that afraid because uh yeah anyway or this scene was just tacked on so that we would have a reason to care about the, <laughs> uh, a reason to care about uh, yeah. the safety of the world uh, by giving us humans to fixate on because none of us can imagine. Never mind. I, it's, it's, it's really annoying to me. But this Barry, yeah. Barry running around the Batcave, that's great. Yep, I like it. I like that a lot. Uh, he he can be the one who just kind of like wears his emotions on his sleeve and is just you know happy to be here. I was happy you know happy to be part of the team. I'm happy to be in the yeah. Batcave. Like he's sort of the you know uh, almost kind of the everyman where it's like wow I'm like I'm swept up into the Justice League. I can't believe this you know. Where Aquaman's more the reluctant one. Cyborg is more the one is like dealing with his personal issues and somber one. 
Uh, so a little bit of exposition here, but I don't mind it. you got to have these at some points in your movie. This is, I think, a good place to actually put some exposition. So there's where, yeah, Cyborg explicitly says, like, you know, I basically died or should have died. Aquaman steals that piece, but I don't think that comes into play later, but... Yeah, the uh, the mother boxes in this movie are very different from the comics. They're more like, uh, actually, they're more like, um, you know, uh, uh, smartphones before smartphones were a thing. And so this is an interesting interpretation of them. And I still haven't quite figured out like, how they work or, or what their sort of place in the universe is, but uh, they work fine as MacGuffins here. Yeah. The only thing I took from it so far, and we'll, you know, I always wait to get into more of it when we do the scene by scene, but my main impression is they somehow have a really great amount of power over death to life or life to death, kind of like maybe in either direction. Um, they can, like, you know, wipe out the life on a planet and then reconvene it to be kind of like the deathscape of Apocalypse, or they could take something dead and, like, juice it back to life, that sort of thing. And that's, but other that's than that, that's about all I have at this point. That's not what they are in the comics, if I remember no, correctly, no. but. Yeah, no, no, and yeah, or from what I know in the comics, yeah, they're more like a really powerful kind of supercomputer that you can have, you know, with you at your beck and call and work with and that kind of thing. Yeah, so this is this is going to be some tension here from from now till later. Like a uh, Bruce maybe feeling some guilt, you know, that he he might be kind of rationalizing bringing Superman back because he actually just feels his personal guilt that maybe that was a mistake in BVS. Um, and I think this, the, so you mentioned echoes. This clearly has an echo of the, the 1%, uh, doctrine from yeah. BVS. And now he he's kind a of reversing black it. black and white in, mindset. But in both cases, he can kind of rationalize it to himself. Mm-hmm. Like in BVS, he's just, he's really just angry at Superman wants to take him down to like prove his own powerfulness. But he rationalizes it to himself. Like, this is why I need to do it because of this 1% chance here, he might just be feeling guilty. And now he's rationalizing it as we have to try to bring him back because we need him. Like, so I think he he basically is just able to like convince himself of a course of action, but that the real reason is more of like an emotional reason, and he gives himself a rationalization to it. Yeah, that's a, and that's a very Batman thing, uh, anyways. The guy's a psychopath. I mean, let's be real. <laughs> yeah. And then and then she has like she has a legitimate issue that they've given her as well, like where she is kind of afraid of leadership because she knows that other people's lives are in your hand. And that's a legitimate thing, right? Like, yep. if you're going to step into power in a very violent, dangerous situation, that is scary to do because other people's lives do depend on you. So, like, I thought that that was a believable kind of dilemma for her that she has to deal with. And I think that I think they developed it really well to the end, that, that it does come around, it goes somewhere at the end, where she takes leadership, but she says, I'm going to use my leadership to actually try to save people's lives, not just sacrifice their lives. And that even connects to, like, Wonder Woman, where in the Wonder Woman film, she was really upset with the British generals who were willing to sacrifice lives, and for her, that would be, like, the last thing she wants to do. She's, she's going to be a different kind of leader. She's not going to just sacrifice lives as part of that. more armor and yeah we get the a reminder about that alarm sound that's going to come into play later and uh, here we I find like out him, uh, i like his uh, armor being in here in this like sort of hall of historical armor that makes sense yeah yep yeah, it kind of puts into context his his bat stuff 
That's not out of nowhere. Yeah. He's kind of he's inspired by previous warriors and stuff. Yeah. So Alfred's saying, you know, you have this team, but Bruce is really saying, you know, we need Superman. I think these are some good lines. Some people might say that these lines aren't totally earned, but I just think the lines are so good that I just like them anyway. <laughs> About Superman and Clark and stuff. Well, I, I, he's right. I mean, what, I don't know. What do you want? Like, he is right. Like, this guy is raised. He's been separated from society. He's a billionaire. Clark was like a homeless his entire twenties, he was like a vagrant, you know, like an itinerant mm-hmm. worker. I, he's human as hell. Yep. This is creepy. This is uh, this is kind of weird for me because I always thought that they were going to do like a I don't know because you see the the dirt floating uh, off the coffin, indicating that something was going on, and then they in this it, it just ends up being like I ah, will just smack him with a mother box, which like I don't know, fine, but uh, and it makes sense with, given what the mother boxes can apparently do, but. I, I kind of thought they'd do like um, I thought they'd do like in The Dark Knight Returns, where he gets smacked down by the nuke and he lands in a jungle and he absorbs all of the uh, the solar energy out of the plants in the jungle, killing all the plants. But it all goes into him. I kind of thought like uh, the reports out of Kansas that all the cornfields died, but then like you know there's a hole oh. in the ground. But uh, this is fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really didn't have any good guesses about what was how he was going to come back. I just was really anticipating the movie to see how they did it, and I was I was okay with it. Um, we'll talk more about that in a second. I do like this. So again, you know, a team movie, you want to have a, you know a threat that like brings them all together. You want to have a theme that they're all kind of speaking to. I think they all speak to the theme of isolation and dealing with loss, and then the theme of like stronger together kind of thing. But the other thing you look for in a team movie is pairwise interactions between them we've talked about you know diana and bruce arthur and bruce and they're they're um vic and diana and now here i thought that was a good scene with uh barry and vic to kind of have a little bit of bonding with each other the big thing they have in common is you know batman's been batman for 20 years diana's always been diana uh Mm -hmm. um arthur has always been arthur but these two they're so new to this like he's just becoming this thing and flash yeah they were Right, they used to be a regular person, and now they are a superhero. Like, yeah. yeah, so that's a you know a huge thing. Um, yeah, so they have something to bond over, and I mean, I thought that was a good interaction. But even though it's you know they're digging up Superman while they're doing it, but uh, I thought this movie did a nice job of putting characters together in ways where we could have a meaningful interaction between them, and it's it's to me it's fun to see those interactions. Now, here we get a little bit of the the music that I so, like, <laughs> wanted this music in yeah. more of the movie. I, I will I will always say that, that, that I would have loved to hear the music more spread throughout. The music that I loved from Man of Steel and BVS. There but we get a little bit of it here, voice. so at least we get that. And there's the photo right from BVS. And then a good shot of, you know, Batman looking on. They oh, were there creepy. when he died. Yeah, thank God they gave us something to focus on in the foreground because, ugh. Yeah. Now, and you do, like, the first time you're watching this, you do like, wonder what's going to happen because the last time we saw this, uh, you know, amniotic chamber kind of thing, it didn't turn out so well with Doomsday coming out of yeah, it. So it kind of makes sense. Make that does make sense. Be... Yeah, because, yeah. like, the way it, it's, one, it's meant to, like, birth Kryptonians out of, and all that, that water is smashed out of the, um, that chamber. 
that yeah. uh, has the little uh, matrix pods in them. Uh, and then, uh, so in BVS, it's used to make Doomsday, and here it's used to just bring him back to life, which you know, checks out. It's weird. Yep. Not what I thought was going to happen, but it checks out. The math works. Now, I said at the beginning to, to not focus on like what could have been. Now, there's rumors here that while Cyborg is plugged in, he sees the vision that kind of matches with Batman's nightmare, and it like adds a little bit more to it and maybe has dark side in it. Wait, why, uh, would, he, why would he see that, though? Uh, I don't know. They say somehow right here when he plugs in is, is how he somehow is able uh, to see it. That doesn't make any sense. I'm sorry. That doesn't make any sense because he's plugging I, into the ship. What, the ship has powers? No. That... I don't know, but I do. I would have liked to see a Nightmare Part 2. However oh, yeah. They, that, I however think there was going to be a follow-up to that, and it might have been Cyborg. Because yeah. Cyborg is... Can I, like The Mother Box, again, is so advanced. Who knows what it's capable of? But I don't think that would have been like... That doesn't make any sense that like him plugging into the ship like that would have would have triggered something like that. But yeah, this is that cool. could be just speculation. But yeah, uh, but the the nightmare part two was at least storyboarded out and that kind of thing. I just don't know exactly where they would have put it. Yeah. Now, yeah, this is uh, you know everybody looking on slow mo. What's going to happen? Cool shot of the flash. <laughs> and he crashes. Yeah. This whole scene is pretty great. Yeah. So the I yeah. So this is you can feel a lot of the power coming out. It's a it's a good way. Like I think, just thematically, you want to have him back on in Heroes Park, and so having him burst out like that is just a, it's a very functional way of getting him out there. Yeah, this this um, this uh, several acres of Metropolis just cannot catch a break. <laughs> this uh, I think that's some nice. Like some people said, you know, oh, like this movie does not complete the trilogy. But I'm like, you literally have the Heroes Park trilogy, right? Like, yeah, you have you have the whole final showdown here for Man of Steel. It's a huge part of BVS and it has a lot of thematic meaning and weight in that movie, including the like. The uh, candlelight vigil at the end, and now you have the resurrection here. So I mean, this is definitely a trilogy. I, th I think it's oh yeah, it's not sure. right. It's it not right to call this. Yeah, it, this is the trilogy. It's not what everybody wanted or hoped it to be, but this is the trilogy. <laughs> yeah. So, so here, like, what do you think of the uh, the excuse for like why Superman would fight the team? Yeah, I'm that's kind of works. okay with it. And it's yeah, like, and they, they really it. set up with it's kind of more subtly with Cyborg, where like he doesn't have full control over the thing that he has become. Um, so it all works. It makes sense. And he's yep. just he's disoriented. This is some real uh, Lazarus Pit kind of thing, you know, kind of deal where he's just like, a, I'm uh, I don't know. Uh, he doesn't even remember who he is, probably. Well, I, well, I, you know that line. Well, he, uh, all the dialogue, like we all agree, right? Like all of his dialogue, Superman's dialogue in the scene was all added later, right? Yeah. So, so I think I if it was say, originally him just completely silent, just being a creepy, like uh, I'm gonna kill you, like that would have made perfect sense without him because I don't think he remembers Batman. I don't think he just sees these guys as a threat. But now he's like, "Do you bleed?" Oh, I hate that line delivery. But you know, like. Um, 
That was yeah. so head damn. Well, yeah, that's, and that's kind of what I would say too. So like here, the the reason that he is starting this fight right now and why this is happening, I I think it's it works pretty well. He has no idea who Cyborg yeah. is or Flash or Aquaman. So like he's sort of like, who are these people? Are they threats? Oh, they seem like they're probably threats. So regardless of how much he remembers, other than Diana, who he you know barely met for a few minutes in their final fight, these are all strangers. Um, so for me, that makes sense. But I agree with you. Once he starts all the dialogue, then that's sort of where I'm like, well, it would have probably been better if he was just unsure and confused a little bit and and then just re- reacting or, like, responding to people around okay, him. you got to have them but, jokes or else the scene doesn't work. Oh, my God. Best scene in the movie. Yeah, just, oh, great. man. Great, great, great moment. I, I was watching like... this in the theater, just this <laughs> right here. I just lost it. I was like, oh, my God. And that goes back to, like, the whole advancement of powers. Like, he's never had to deal with something this fast before. But, oh, yeah, of course he can, you know. If Wonder yeah. Woman can see a bullet zipping by her head, of course he can see the Flash running at him. Yeah. No, it's great. <laughs> I've tried to, like, from a filmmaking perspective, tried to really analyze how, why it is so awesome. But I, it's kind of just fun to just... Soak up the. Dude, fact I'll that tell it you why. Awesome. No, I'll tell you why. And this is this is what Zack Snyder does so well. It's because every time you read a comic book like this, you thought, "But damn, what would that really look like? This drawing is really cool, you know." But what if what if you did that? And, and Zack Snyder would bring that stuff to life. Two two uh, mountains the size of men crashing through a building, and the building just collapses around them. Zack Snyder was like, "No, but seriously, let's do that." And then here's a here's a here's another two hours zero minutes one second casualty. You know uh-huh. that there was a second of them like of, of time restoring itself and them going flying and everything just shattering around oh, yeah. Superman. But that got cut. Like you know that was in there. Oh well. Mm-hmm. This is great, by the way. The the bracelet. Like so, him him grabbing her before she can get her bracelets is is pretty. Yeah. Awesome. Damn, that looks like it hurt. Right into the frame of the car. By the way, that's not a soft spot on a car. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. No. So. So earlier when he said, "I know you," um, so that kind of like, okay, he is remembering things. But if he remembers things, he should remember that they actually ended on good. Yeah, terms. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like this and, and doesn't then, make any sense. This and then he mouth, says, "You won't like, let me you know die." This is new. Yeah. So like, so as a BVS fan, the "You won't let me die." It's like no, like Superman willingly gave his life. That's the whole point of the end of of BVS. So he would not be, like, blaming Batman for the death. He knows... Yeah, he stops being confused. Now he's just being a dick. Like, come on. And even... And he he's, like... Being confused is different than, like, thinking literally the wrong thing. Like, if he says Batman somehow killed him, that's that's not being confused. That's him literally thinking something that's false and was not the case. He sacrificed himself. And this, and is, the, uh, this is why uh, the hate that Suicide Squad gets, like, really pisses me off. Because I swear to God, David Ayer gets Zack Snyder's deal better than, like, even Joss Whedon does. Like, that movie mm-hmm. is more consistent uh, with Man of Steel and BVS than this moment. Not this moment. This is great. But, you know, like yeah. uh, like him, do you bleed? Like, that's not... No, you don't get it. Yeah. You missed the point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's not the just, oh, I said do you bleed? No, I'll say do you bleed? Like, no, it's like... It's like he's pretending there's still a grudge. Like, Joss Whedon watched BVS and think that, like, Batman and Superman still have a grudge against each other. It's like, no, they don't. Like, it was actually an issue of them having, being in the wrong mindset, and then they actually had an understanding by the end. So, yeah, that those, those dialogue lines would be one of the, the few things that I 
really do think should change, but um, I'm not, you know, I still overall like the movie. I do like Lois coming in. I, I take that as a connection to the nightmare scene as or the the Flash, after the nightmare scene, the Flash says Lois is the key. I take yeah. this as Batman. Batman registered, okay, Lois is the key when I have a dangerous Superman or whatever, so I'm going to make sure Lois is around and then it, it does work and restores him, you know, so... I view that as a connection to BBS. Oh, totally. Yeah. That again, like that was in there. Yeah. And he, and then look, he just goes straight home. Like that makes sense. That all checks out. Yep. You can tell and a lot yeah. of beautiful stuff was lost, but I mean, you know, 2 hours 0 minutes 1 second. So it's uh it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> he looks uh in this shot here, you can look at his mouth or his head or anywhere and he looks fine. It's in some of the other shots where you have to look at his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> That's really the only. Uh, There's like a couple of like giveaways for what's new and what's what's uh, original. <laughs> He's so angry. Look at him. Yeah. Don't do that. Yeah, he doesn't take loss well. Uh, getting thrown around. And he's he's basically right. Like this is a good time for them to have a sort of like you know, we're in trouble kind of moment because they actually did, they tried to bring Superman back, but it didn't work out very well. They did lose the other mother box. This is like a low point for the team. And if somebody's going to get pissed off, like it's, uh, it's kind of oh, not really what Arthur's like in the comics. He's more reserved, but he, he works. He's perfect for this here. Yeah. And there's, there's some iterations of the justice league, uh, in cartoons and in the comics where he's sort of like a reluctant justice league member who doesn't quite fit in. Uh, oh yeah. So which makes yeah. perfect sense. He's a king. Come on, and, and he yeah. hates the land world with good reason. I, I just real quick, my favorite king, my favorite um, Aquaman though is a uh, Batman Brave and the Bold Aquaman. Outrageous! I think mean, it's the best best version of that character. I love <laughs> that guy. Yeah. Now we get the good continuation here of Diana and Vic, and to me it works every time. I, I, their relationship and the fact that she's able to reach Vic, yeah. I buy it. Like I, I think it's believable there. And then here we get a little bit more of the the banter and Bruce and Arthur kind of still <laughs> not quite on good terms yet, but they're trying to get there. Just... Yeah, no idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so I like this. Uh, I like this kind of bruised Bruce, and she notices it, right? And so she's. Yeah. She's very attuned to people's emotional state and how they're feeling and stuff, so I think it makes sense that she would notice it. Uh, yeah. It's actually kind of a cool look without the cape. Yeah. I think this is well acted. Like I can, like, I can buy that Ben Affleck is actually pretty sore right now and feeling the bruise and the the pain. I think that's an important line there, Will, where she says, you know, he could have killed you, and he says, I'm willing to make the trade. So there are there are a few foreshadowings that he is willing to sacrifice himself or go on a suicide mission. This is one of those foreshadowings right now that he's he's basically saying, I'm, I am willing to kill myself if it will get the team together, or maybe he's just kind of saying, I'm at the end of my line. These new heroes are really going to take over. My time is over. But. Uh, but, and also, Batman's life is one big suicide mission. There's that, too. I mean, for real. Oh, yeah, like, I am suicide, Tom. who he is. Yeah. 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 
And it's it continues their kind of thing where he said, you know, I was listening to you about heart, you know, and using that to reach Clark there. And she's, it's a little bit on the nose, but at least there are these character arcs to it about her and her being reluctant to be the leader and because she's worried about risking people's lives. So it, it's a good arc. In some of these spots like this, it's a little bit clumsy, like very, very on the nose. But at least I would rather have an arc that is sometimes on the nose well, I, I than have no, no arc whatsoever. Wonder Woman's like the most direct person that ever lived, so it makes sense for me for her to just be to talk like that. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, and I I still take it over like other movies or superhero movies that don't give much of a character arc at all, and so I'm at least happy to have one. Uh, here, I wish they would have talked about the ring explicitly. At least she has the ring on and she's touching it, so that draws attention to it. Um, but it would have been even better if they would have talked about it at least a little bit. But Yeah, so this is not great. Um, like, I wish... Like, I'm such a big fan of Man of Steel and BVS and Lois and, like, these characters and their relationship. I think it's just been developed great. And these scenes are fine, but they don't like they don't like tug at my heartstrings as much as they could have. So for me, it's kind of one of those cases where like you know what, this is actually not bad, but it could have been so much better. And if you focus on how much better it could be, then that can make you really depressed about the movie. You know, what, what I'm curious about is is how she would have like uh, in Man of Steel and Batman vs Superman, she kind of saves the day. In a big way, mm-hmm. like she, it's a, she's only a huge component of it, and here she's more of a bystander. Which, yeah. I, you know, there's six other characters, and also two hours, zero minutes, one second. But uh, I'm just curious as to what her arc would have been like um, in the longer yeah. version of the movie. You know, someday, hey, and everyone's like, hashtag release the Snyder Cut. Just give it. I, I know nobody wants to hear this, but seriously, all the footage is there. You just need to finish the special effects, cut it together, complete the ADR. And, uh, you know, and all the other stuff. It's not a simple... There's not a version of this movie that's sitting in a drawer lit with a piece of tape with uh, with the word Snyder Cut written on it. It's going to take some work, but it's... All the ingredients are there. It's happened... It's literally happened before, literally mm-hmm. to a Superman sequel. So just be but patient. But it might take a little while, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just, you know, it can happen. And, and history says it actually probably will. So just... Damn, people, chill. Yeah. I'm sorry. So, I just, I'm really annoyed because I've been getting on Vero and like Zack Snyder will post like a nice picture of a street he's walking down and all the comments are just like, yo, where that Snyder cut at? No. And it's just like, shut uh, up. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely leave him alone. <laughs> yeah. He can't like, do anything he about already, it. He, he knows. And like, if he can do something about it, he's going to do something about it. Like, like pestering him is not going to help. Right. Yeah. Let him post his nice pictures. Oh, it's uh, it's Ma Kent. Yeah, you ever have you ever seen yeah. that? Uh, that um, I watched a uh, a panel of them at like Comic Con or something. I'm sorry, Diane Lane could not stop hitting on Henry Cavill. It was hilarious and creepy. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I think this is pretty good. How she starts out kind of skeptical, which you would be, right? Oh, if yeah. you knew your son was dead, you buried your son, you'd be skeptical. But then when she sees him up close, and then I think it's, you know, nice embrace and stuff. Um, so now they got all three mother boxes, so they're in business. There you go. Praise to the unity. 
Yeah, he's uh, like like I guess he was intended to be like kind of a slave to this thing. That's an interesting dynamic. They're all driven mm-hmm. like all these villains are all driven by something that they can't really control. Like Lex and his neuroses and Zod and his liter like his programming and then uh Yeah. Steppenwolf and um whatever was gonna go on there. Yeah. He's Dark definitely in service boxes. of yeah. the bigger yeah, he's in service of something bigger. Um he's also, you know, trying to like reclaim his honor from having been defeated the previous time so that's kind of interesting they could have just developed that a little bit more i think i like that where uh cyborg is all of a sudden speaking in like a completely different thing and like sorry like i like how he's just trying to constantly get a handle on his powers and stuff I like that line with uh, Aquaman because, like, we saw him at the beginning. He kind of has a soft spot for people that are on the outskirts of society and stuff, isolated. And so here again, he's kind of like, oh, yeah, you know, people that don't have anywhere else. Like, he can identify with uh, the isolated people. Nice little epic shot here of the team rising up. Good to have some team shots, right? Great lighting. Yep. That is a pretty cool ship. Yeah, and the Flying Fox is actually a bat it's called the flying fox because it's like as big as a fox but it is actually they're a bat. huge we so, have some of the zoo yeah. here and they're just like gigantic flying dogs dude yeah it's just some people are like why is it called the flying fox usually batman names everything after a bat it's like they are bats <laughs> like it, it, they're a bat that's called a flying fox yeah, they seem like uh, they shouldn't even exist. The the actual flying foxes, they seem like an animal that should not exist in the real world, but they do. I like his so, uh, cowl-less look. Yeah, I was glad we got a little bit of that. Yep. There's, there might have been some that were cut um, based on trailers, but at least we do get it here. Um, and again, an- another chance for a little bit of, you know, um, Justice League interaction and some personal moments here some before we get into the final action sequence. I think you know I I like the characters. I like the I like the way like the personalities that they gave to each of the characters. I like how they play off each other. Like yeah. to me, that's a really strong point of the movie. <laughs> and here it seems like. Like, it seems like, oh, this is kind of rude, but then you realize later, it makes it funny in retrospect that, like, that's why he was kind of a little bit too forthright with it. <laughs> but we're also getting some insight into him, right? He's, you know, been this loner. He's, like, you know, wants Honestly, somewhere to fit in. if you don't have a moment where the, the lasso of truth accidentally makes somebody... I mean, that's that's why it's there. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, damn it. I like how they give Cyborg that little smirk because Aquaman had been giving him such a tough time, and so then yeah. for Aquaman to see him, like, or for Cyborg to see Aquaman like that, I thought it was good to just get a quick reaction shot of Cyborg. <laughs> and then, but the Flash gets a little bit more of the explicit humor. But I, I think even Cyborg's smirk was actually kind of funny, which is great because uh, now this, which this is good too. So it might have been part of the like edits and stuff to change this to a red sky. I gotta admit, I think the red sky is actually kind of cool. Uh, oh, like yeah. visually, it's kind of unique and it has precedent in the comic books having oh, a yeah. red sky in DC Comics. So 
Here's the big team shot, obviously a big money shot there. Coming down. So now, yeah, we get Batman's kind of suicide mission here. Like, don't wait for me. Like, he's basically knows I'm, I'm probably going to my death here, but that's part of the plan. Like, he's passing off the reins of the Age of Heroes to these this new team. He knows as a mortal guy with these bruises and shoulders that come out of place, like, if he can sacrifice himself to help the cause, and he's he's done what he can do and... And like I said before, I've always felt like like any time he goes up against, you know, any kind of insane person who's kidnapped a bunch of kids or whatever, like, you kind of got to figure the odds are pretty good that you might die. So for him, this is just less heroic stoicism and more like, yeah, it's Tuesday, man. I might die, so. Mm-hmm. That's tight. Nice. Ah, that's great. Yeah, and again, a nice, like, a memorable setting and a good, like, use of the setting. Yeah. Like, each of the action sequences, you can really have a sense of the place and you remember where it was when that action happened. It wasn't just, like, a generic spot that's forgettable. Uh, so, I, I like that, especially, you know, I'm not a huge action movie buff, but I do appreciate when an action movie has a really thoughtful like a uh, unique kind of setting that they put the action sequences into yeah that, oh you know because uh you know you get uh that scene in batman versus superman where they fight in that abandoned building and it's just so it has that look to it and it's such a distinct environment and then that same year civil war it's like just an empty airport like oh okay well that's cool too uh, or like uh, or like a lot of action movies where it's like oh how many fight sequences have i seen in a parking garage it's yeah. like i can't i can't keep them all straight i've seen like nine different sequences in a parking garage so it's like i'm glad when it's like all right i've not seen an action sequence that's in chernobyl you know like, yeah. like that sort of thing chernobyl has been taken over by aliens yeah yep Yeah, and it's not just Chernobyl. It's yeah, it's the parademons swarming around and everything too. Yeah. Yeah, the, and the red sky, right? putting the, the red, red sky, sky over. It. Yeah, yeah. So this is their their everybody's following Batman. So this is their chance to get out. They got out just in time. Yeah. Damn, old, that's cool. Yeah, I was gonna say it's good to have a nice Batmobile sequence as well. <laughs> And it's a different type of Batmobile sequence than BVS. You know, this one is taking on a whole different kind of challenge. That tower is actually like a pretty famous tower. And like, if you look at pictures of Chernobyl and stuff. Oh. I like the old reverse uh, shooting while he's going in reverse. It's pretty cool. It's uh, This is cool because you get to see the Batmobile, um, you know, with all the, it just completely unchained. Like you see it in the last movie, um, he's very restrained. It, it's capable of so much, but he only kills a couple of people with it. And here he's just like, "Hey, uh, Batmobile, go on auto mode and just kill everything you see." That's it's <laughs> a good look. Nah, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, nice cyborg flying through, Flash running by, you know, Wonder Woman knocking off the pair of demons and Aquaman. Like, so, Alfred's line, a little bit cheesy, but it's it's actually true. Like, we did actually just have the whole team kind of fly through and do their part. So, 
you know, for me, it is like, no, it, it is the team. They they came back for him. They're not just going to let him go and sacrifice himself. And Diana, like, it's actually fulfilling an arc. It's Diana took the leadership role that Bruce wanted her to take, but she took it in her own way and said, I'm going to take a leadership role to save your life instead of to sacrifice your life. Yeah. So that's how she, like, resolved her, her arc. This is just awesome, by the way. Yeah. With uh, <laughs> I'm watching it. I should just say, since it's an audio commentary here, uh, this is sweet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's uh, uh, Michael the Archangel casting Lucifer out of heaven. Getting a little literary. Nice. And then surfing through a building. <laughs> Very literary indeed. <laughs> <laughs> Comic books are literature, damn it. Exactly. Yeah, that's right. I mean, this whole thing. This is this is just great. Yeah. It's a nice, very nice Batman moment there. Good use of the cape, too, by the way. Yeah. So another Wonder Woman landing down. Now, in the trailer, I think it, she landed down like that, but, like, Cyborg and Aquaman were flanking her. Oh, yeah, you're so, right. Yeah. I, just, I, like I mean, to, this is fine. This gives her a good moment alone. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. It's not to me unless I saw the other version. I can't really say anything big one way or the other. And again, I'll just try to take what that, this is. And that's very fine. much the kind of change that could have happened, anyways. Movies change all the time yeah. between the trailer and the movie, so you know. It's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah it's covered in. Now boogers. I do think, like, I think this is set up pretty well because yeah. everybody has something they're doing, right? Like Cyborg is working on the Unity, trying to break that apart. Flash is keeping the Parademons off. And then Wonder Woman and Aquaman are trying to deal with Steppenwolf. Like, it's it's actually pretty organic that they all have something they need to be doing. You know? uh, if there was a moment where where he had a vision of the the Nightmare Universe, that would have been it. Uh, it could have been uh, the Mother Box. Into Unity. Yeah, because then uh. it could have been trying to stop him from doing that, which would be a lot like uh, because actually, okay, yes. Because in Suicide Squad, at the end, they get to Enchantress, and she tries to stop them by giving them visions of what could be. And then yep. in Wonder Woman, when she gets to Ares, he tries to stop her by showing her a vision of what could be. Yeah. So this and would have Man been the moment. Well, yeah, Man, Man of, of Steel, yeah. Zod shows Clark a like you know dreamscape. So He's, he doesn't. Okay, do so we agree that was the moment, <laughs> that, and because that that would have been the conduit. Those those mother boxes to show him like a. And I don't know what the dynamic would have been because that sounds more negative than the other ones. He wouldn't want the nightmare world, but you know maybe that's what it thought he wanted because yeah, I'm real. I'm really just working this out now. We'll save this for the for the for the sure. uh, scene by scene. Well, but, uh, and also the last cyborg saw for of me. Superman. He Superman was flying away, but but cyborg does not actually know that Superman came around and is healthy. You know. Oh yeah. So if cyborg saw a vision, he might be thinking like. Oh crap! If we stop Steppenwolf, where Superman is going to come, and he might think Superman is about to come on Steppenwolf's side. He has no idea. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the so the mother box is like, hey, join us. Yeah. Okay. All right. And also, the the mother box was the one that brought Superman back. So Cyborg might be worried that Superman was tainted by the mother box to actually like follow Darkseid. So, but actually, Superman's fine. Like the audience knows that Superman's fine, but. Well, there's nothing uh, wrong with a little dramatic irony. Yep. Uh, by the way, some also good action. Like, I think that the blows between Steppenwolf and Aquaman, like, I f those feel pretty good and physical. And that also feels uh, pretty... 
like intense the axe coming down right on his shoulder and his shoulder is actually like separated there pretty good ah yeah okay all right cyborg hope you're gonna be all right <laughs> i mean it's good right it shows the threat level is uh is legit oh shit okay now we knew he was coming, right? Because we saw him on the farm, and he said, "You know, I got to go help Bruce and stuff." So we knew he was coming. It was just a matter of time. I like Aquaman's reaction. I don't like Batman's reaction as much. I kind of, um, I uh, this is a minor complaint, but I would have preferred him to say "outrageous" because that actually, it's not just from that cartoon. <laughs> it's actually an Aquaman catchphrase. But yeah, uh -huh. whatever. He'll get he'll get one in Aquaman. I'm I'm looking forward to that moment. Yeah, you know, it's like Cyborg's booyah, you know. Yeah. Now I will say I like Superman dodging Steppenwolf's punch. I feel like it's a callback to his the eyeball moment where he tracks Flash, like the speed that he has. And I do not mind the the smile that Superman kind of has here because yeah. I view I view it as he has a second chance at life. And he actually just feels pretty good about that, you know? That's uh, kind of more, that, that moment there, you could see his mouth. That's a little more proof that the civilians were added later. Um, not for nothing, yeah. but, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I like the uh, the, the Quindent flip that uh, Aquaman does there. It's pretty sweet. A nice Batman jump. <laughs> Quindent. Good. I might have a little <laughs> criticism of of uh, Superman leaving to help the civilians because it feels like it's more important to make sure Steppenwolf is under control and <laughs> like yes, like, this is definitely the putting the cart to... before the horse. Yeah, but you know this. I don't mind this with the Flash. I think this fits in character. Okay, but I'm about to get. I'm about to ruin that feeling because okay, this makes no sense, and this is one of the things I liked about Man of Steel is that he? one of the points was to see how Superman or these guys with these powers would react to the world, interact with the world around them. And here yeah. he's just like picking up a building on its side as though a building wouldn't collapse if you put it on a pivot point. Whatever, fine, it's not a big deal. Yeah. But that's, that's, again, that's another example of Joss Whedon missing the point. And um, yeah. I know he said he wouldn't same. focus on this stuff, but damn. Yeah, I'm the same. I, I really liked it about BVS and Men of yeah. Steel that they because that's what I've always wanted to, to see. To like think that's of real physics. Yeah, when I when I read comics, it's like this is cool, but no, seriously, what if Superman did this? It it would look yeah. different, and and uh, that's what these movies always gave to me, and that's kind of what yeah. this is missing. That's fine. This is great. So so I like this uh, this thing here with Superman and Cyborg having yes. to kind of do this together. Um, and them being the ones who died and now having like the new chance at life. I think that's really good. But uh, And Cyborg literally from... gets a moment in his character arc where he's like, okay, I'm, I'm not depressed yep. anymore. Like, yeah, that's nice. Yeah, I think this is actually really, really good. Um, Herculean. But, like, but I agree with what you said about the physics of the building, and I also... I kind of liked in Man of Steel and BVS that there was not freeze breath or super breath or whatever, and then they go ahead and bring it in because again, that's like the the power. Shout for out me to Doctor Awkward who but. completely made that. <laughs> like he's right. Like that's not how lungs work. Actually, I yeah. I have I know how lungs work. That's not how they work. But it's fine. Yeah, whatever. I've, I've had a I've I've not liked freeze breath for a long time. Yes. Like the original movies, even in the comics, I I like. Well, anyway. Uh, 
I don't want to talk over the rest of this stuff. I'm even okay with uh, the that's sort what of we're the, here like, for. I don't know if you realized. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Ouch. laughing from Superman there and Diana saying I work with children. I actually like both of those. Yeah. And then we get a we get one more beat here where Steppenwolf's not quite done yet. Um, so now we have to finish him off. I think that all is pretty good. I it, really, it's kinda, some, I, you know, it's tropey, but it's okay. Well, you know, they're always like being forced to do things. And here they just kind of wrap it up in a nice little bow. I, I feel like there's kind of something missing uh, with him just getting carried off by the parademons, but I don't know, whatever. Because again, like I don't, I I'm pretty sure that's not in Zack Snyder's version of the movie. So I wonder how how what his ignominious end would have been in Snyder's version, but I'm sure yeah. we'll find out eventually, or he'll just tweet it. You see, David Ayer tweeted today like what the Joker subplot was. Did you see that? Oh no! I had I was I've been traveling for work all now. So I'll, I'll show you later. Online. Oh yeah, yeah. I'll check it out. Um, so, so we'll yeah, this, find out. So this is this is fine. Yeah, yeah. For me, I'm 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 fine with it. Uh, it's possible that Snyder's and Terrio's original ending is way way better, but I don't know that until I know that. Um, I I, I think that's a given. Have, I do think Flash is laying there a little bit awkwardly, but <laughs> it's kind of yeah, a weird yeah. well, I don't know what's he gonna do. That uh, it's been taken care of. <laughs> Oh, wait, we haven't yep. said anything, but Batman's new costume is pretty tight. I like that. Yeah, yep, yep. That goes without saying, I think. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm all right with it. I just wish Flash was standing up or crouching or something. Uh, I don't know, man. He took a pretty big hit. Uh, that, that's what, I'm fine. Booyah. <laughs> I, I love that they included the booyah. I was actually kind of worried that they weren't going to fit it in. I'm like, just give me one. Find the right moment for it. And give yeah, me one. yeah. And the, fit, the fist bump is great, but I thought that was a good spot to put the booyah. And I like, I like it. Um, now this, I, you know, this is, this is a good shot. Like you, you might say, like, oh, Snyder's would have been better. Like, okay, but like this is pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Well, it might have been Snyder. Shit, no, you know. I think yeah, they might have just recolored, recolored the background. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, the coloration. Okay, um, people have been saying that like uh, this movie might have been darker and Snyder's would have been darker. I don't think that's the case because, remember, he hired a different cinematographer than what had worked on Man of Steel and BVS. And this goes back yeah. to Excalibur, but in Excalibur, it is darker. Like, the beginning of the movie is very dark, the middle of the movie is mm-hmm. very bright, then the end is dark, and it goes back to being bright again. And it's this whole Fisher King, King Arthur kind of deal. Um I can talk about later in the podcast, but uh, oh, great. it yeah. really makes sense, especially it gets so bright here at the end. Everything is nice and sunny, mm-hmm. and the color palette's different. <laughs> um, I think mm-hmm. Justice League 2 would have looked different, um, and it would have been like a gradual thing. And then we go back to the horrible, terrible brown of the um, of the hell world, uh, the you know, mini-apocalypse when Earth gets terraformed. Uh, and that, that all, it all goes back to Excalibur, man. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is really good denouement kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, I think this is really nice. Getting the farm back, Bruce and Clark together. Uh, I think it's all good. This is good denouement for Barry. Uh, a lot of good stuff here. Uh, and this is nice, too. Um, got a reference, I'm assuming, from Bruce. So, like, Bruce... Bruce oh, basically, yeah. You know, Bruce doesn't have the uh, the superpowers, but he can help Martha Kent. He can give Barry a recommendation. I don't know, you know man. Like so. Being able to manipulate the largest, most powerful government in human history is kind of a superpower. <laughs> uh, Lois is back to work, so, you know, we, we're 
you know, it's it's a little bit of A to B to C, like straightforward kind of stuff, but it also is kind of satisfying to have just resolutions to, like Lois is back to work, she's writing again. Like, okay, so that's that's her, um, she's out of her funk and has, you know, Clark back. And Bruce is now, you know, he's not so isolated. He's willing to open and restore the manor again. So that's a big symbolic kind of move for him. And it is nice to think about BVS to this and think about Bruce was able to get himself out of that hole and get to a point where he has friends, where he's inviting more people in, mm -hmm. he's restoring the manor. Like, that's a that's a pretty big, you know, shift for Bruce, a pretty good story arc for the, him there. Cyborg gets the cyborg emblem, comes on, and he's smiling at his dad, so that's meaningful. This is, Lo Lois is getting a voiceover now, too. I like that. Yeah, the the trilogy uses a lot, you know, ha we had in BVS. Um, in a lot of ways, she narrates we, the story. Yeah, she had some voiceover kind of stuff in Man of Steel. Um, we get Clark's narration at the end of Man of Steel when he talks about, like, taking the job at the Daily Planet stuff. BVS, we obviously have the, like, Bruce's words at the at the end about, mm -hmm. you know, men are still good. Oh, and yeah, we, yeah, that's we a get good point. The, We get the, like, you know, hope was still there. We you know had to just find it. Um, now there's a little bit so we'll talk about this in the podcast but it will probably be several months from now because it's yeah. the end of the movie but like one little problem I have here is she says like we were kind of losing hope but the heroes were still there if you look up to the sky and what I don't like about that is it seems to center the hope in the heroes rather than in like everybody and yeah. what I liked about B BVS ends by saying, like, we are all, we all can be Superman. We can all, like, take inspiration from him and his, you know, giving of himself. And, uh, oh, that's what I was talking it, about. It was, like, like the soldiers it was spreading all around. That, that was yeah. one of the, that's one of the big things in the other movies is, that, like, regular people. Uh, granted, you know, those regular people are, like, uh, Army Rangers and Navy SEALs, but still, like, a real-ass regular human being can be a hero, like Batman or Commissioner Gordon. Yeah. Uh, you, don't, right. you don't have to be a guy. Or, or those guys in Wonder Woman. You know, um, but also, uh, yeah, you know. Yeah, like, I, I just like the... I like the spirit of BVS where it ends by saying, like, hey, his monument is all around you. It's us. Oh, yeah. Versus here where it ends by saying, like, look up to the sky, like, look up to other people, and that's, you know, that's your inspiration and hope. Yeah, people uh, so want to make uh, Snyder out to be, like, this Randian fascist, but really his message is like, no, man, we're all Superman. Yeah, I, I see a lot of, uh, of good messages from Snyder, but I do think he's, you know, I think he's a complex kind of artist where you can't, you can't put him in one box. That's the thing. So... Here we get the uh, the race. I mean, so this is just a fun, right? Like, we've got these characters. Let's have a, just a little bit of put a smile on your face as the movie's over. You know, I'm fine with it. I think it's kind of kind of cool. I uh, It's just uh, compared to the structure and tone of the other movies, it's out of place for me. But whatever. Who doesn't like a Superman Flash race? Yeah. So so if, if it was totally up to me, I'm, I tend to be actually against uh, mid-credit scenes or end-credit scenes. Because oh, I'm not at I, all, but um, but yeah, well, here for, for so these we, movies, no. Well, for me, I'm kind of against them because I think they distract people's attention away from the story that was just told. Like, 
it, it like especially the next one it like it makes us leave the theater thinking about the legion of doom or like oh deathstroke like what's he going to do and i'm i think when you leave a theater i think you should be thinking about the movie that you just saw like you should be thinking about the character development and you should think about like the meaning that you're taking from it and questions that you have about it and i feel like the the end credit scenes like they like trick the audience into just focusing on what's coming next instead of focusing on what they just saw so that's my like my overall thing now if i that's my overall position now when i watch flash and superman deciding to like race each other i can enjoy that that is kind of fun you know yeah, that's a, I. I don't have anything again. I. I don't think there's any wrong way to make a movie. Like that's that's the way I've always looked at it. There are no rules to this. So I, you know, if if uh, if you want to add a scene that teases the next movie, like the Marvel movies, that's fine. Like it, it's it works for them and it's it's entertaining and it does it does whet my appetite. It does make me really excited. Like oh shit! Like every time I, I'm a sucker. Well, I'm a I'm huge mark. <laughs> They're good at their oh, yeah. purpose. Right, I just right. disagree with the purpose. I think you should respect the art that was just presented to you. Now, if you didn't really present art, if you just if you just said, okay, that was like popcorn thing, it's done, and now let's focus on the next thing, then they're very effective at that. It's just my goal is different. Like my goal is to chew your food, so to speak. Like uh, you know, of what you just saw, not not just like wet your appetite for the next thing. But we got one more coming, so like like this next one is very effective to get me interested in Deathstroke and Lex, and I love to see Lex again because I love that character. So from that perspective, I love what's about to happen in a few seconds. But overall, if you've made an artistic piece, I think you should let your audience digest that piece instead of already dangling the next thing in front of them. So, I think yeah. as a as a matter of function, you know, most people turn off or walk away from the credits, anyways. I just I don't think it. Uh, I I mean I'm, I'm I see what you're saying. I do disagree, but I'm not going to argue with you because uh, who gives a shit? Um, but uh, for these movies, for what we're watching here, I actually really don't like it because it's so different. From it just doesn't fit with the any of the other ones, much less the, uh, Snyder's other movies. It's so shoehorned in here, and clearly Lex was supposed to be a bigger part of the plot. Somehow, I'm not real well because because I think I still say he called Darkseid and Steppenwolf. I still say that like he was making a phone like a uh, what is it called uh, from Ender's Game an Ansible call to Steppenwolf, being like, "Hey, uh, nothing else worked. Uh, will you come kill these people? Because he's suicidal." And to yeah. him, like he's like Ayn Rand, where Ayn Rand is like, um, I'm not going to die. The world is going to die. I think that's how Lex sees things, and he's literally just like, hey, uh, yeah. I couldn't kill everyone. Will you come do it for me? Uh, so I think he was going to play a bigger part. Kind of kind of Lex Luthor and Superman, too. Like, uh, yeah, I'll take Australia. You know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh and I still tend to think cool of it scene, that way. Because like, seeing BVS, I still think, like, okay, in this movie they say, you know, like, Superman died and then there was enough discord in the world that, that the unity felt like the Earth was divided enough that we can conquer it this time. Um, but I still add in there that, and also Lex tipped them off. <laughs> like, that's yes, how they knew yeah, Superman yeah. died. Like, that's why, that's why they, like just investigated earth a little bit more and like paid attention to it to see and then and then when they paid attention to it because lex tipped him off then they noticed like oh yeah there is a lot of strife and you know anger and discord and stuff so all right let's let's send steppenwolf back over there 
That's my. That's how I think of it. Oh myself, yeah, even though, yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. But but like like we said earlier, like uh, I love Lex as the villain, and so having him, I'll take him wherever I can get him, even if it's end credits kind of scene. And uh, yeah, I'm hoping to get him in a Man of Steel sequel or however they if they do Legion of Doom. I hope he is centrally involved. I know Jesse Eisenberg says it's like his favorite character that he's played and he hopes to play him again. So there's a lot of, in you know, the WB and the DC films, there's a lot of things being discussed and in preparation, that sort of thing. And I'm hoping Lex Luthor is involved somewhere in there. I, I've always wanted to see, uh, I always thought that if these movies have a definitive end to them, if there's like a, at some point there's like a last movie uh, I always wanted to see Lex come around because that was one of that's when it starts in Man of Steel. Is like so, yeah, some people can't be saved, but like uh, Pete Ross starts out as a dick and a bully, and then he ends up being like a pretty cool guy thanks to Clark's intervention. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. um, there's this there's this great Elliot S. McGinn story. Um, it's called Oh No. Oh, what's it called? Oh man, there's this. It's a prose story. It's a short story, and it's a story about like a. A hundred years in the future after Lois has died and Superman, like, has white hair and he's, like, relatively an old man. He's still fairly youthful, but, like, he's not, like, 25 like he is in the comics anymore. And, like, Lex Uh is so old that he requires, like, life support, but he can still get around because he's a genius. And then Lex is finally, like... Jesus, you know what, Superman? Like, you're all right. I was a dick the whole time. I'm sorry, man. And Superman's <laughs> like, ah, it's fine. Let's say uh, you want to go like, explore space? And he's like, yeah, that'd be pretty cool. And it's a great story. Like, it's beautiful. And it's, it, it's, it's very hopeful to me, the idea that somebody like as messed up and as dark as Lex Luthor could eventually be like, nah, man, I was wrong. That's... I'd like to see that. I you know, I don't have any mm. expectation of that actually happening, but like, can you imagine yeah. how nice of a story that would be? Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, I know he's you know he's come around a little bit in the like New Fifty Two last few years of the comics. Like Forever Evil is kind of like a Lex Luthor story where he's yeah. on the side of the Justice League. You know, which makes perfect and sense for that story too. There's, yeah, and there's there's some moments where he kind of, you know, is is coming to terms with, like, what Superman has meant and what he's done, and he doesn't maybe come around as fully as the story you described, but there's some glimmers of it, you know, in, in recent years in the comics. It's called Luthor's Gift by Elliot S. McGinn. Oh, Look it okay. up. It's, it's available cool. online. There's I, a great website. They have all these old Superman comics. If you've never read action, not you, Sam. But uh, if you're listening to this, you never read Action Comics number one, or you've never read Must There Be a Superman, also by Elliot S. McGinn, it's all on this mm-hmm. website. It's all free, because it, this stuff's out of print anyways. But it has this prose story, Luthor's Gift. That's can't, cool. can't recommend it enough. Yeah, that's uh, it, awesome. Uh, Sam, shut up. It's happening. Sam. I was going to say. <laughs> we're, we're getting into it. Yeah, no, it's a, it's great, a great shot. Um, it's... Uh, like this is cool coming up on it, and then when they go when we go to the water, it's a great shot with a death stroke to start. But this is a good little. This is just a nice little uh, misdirection for the audience. To good uh, stuff. This is kind of a cool um, parallel to Suicide Squad too. Oh yeah, yeah. And also uh, the um, the um, the killing joke because this is totally a killing joke move. Yeah. Oh, it's but... just a bald guy. We're idiots. <laughs> but man a great shot with the flap in the the sword and yeah 
using the wind and dude deathstroke yeah. <laughs> that's so good deathstroke and like this universe's version of deathstroke is so cool and it's great too with the boat like so on the front of the boat you have the green and the red which is just part of maritime you know that's how boats mm-hmm. are marked but it's also a nice kind of deathstroke thing of the two tones and then he has the only the, the two tones obviously there he is Here's, actual lex luthor bald classy suit i can get himself is, out man. of high security prison no problem yeah Ah, Slade Wilson, the Deathstroke. The Terminator. And I like that too with Lex saying, I have too much to live for. Like, so Superman was just risen from the dead and now Lex has said, I've got a lot to live yeah. for too. League of Our Own. And also Lex always quoting pop culture. Yeah. <laughs> so like, the League of, Your, League of Our Own just immediately makes me think of Tom Hanks and Rosie O'Donnell. Madonna, I think, is in that movie. <laughs> All right. Well, we made it through two hours, and how long was it again? Was it two? two hours, zero minutes, one second. I mean, it's just because it, it bums me out how much must have gotten shaved off. But honestly, it wasn't that bad. We're still, we're still here. We're still alive. I had a I good still, time. I still like the movie. Yeah. Look, if if I look for stuff, if I look for good stuff, I find it. That's the thing. Exactly. So if yeah, you it's... look for stuff, if you look for stuff to get all tied up in knots about, you can find that too if you want to. Yeah. But I don't know if that's the best way to live. <laughs> Yeah, people, it seems to be, like, this is my big problem with, like, fans these days. Fans, in a lot of ways, are, like, the worst thing that can happen to something. You know, somebody comes along and they're like, I love this. And then it's like, I own this. You know, like, this is me. And then you you take this ownership of something you had no hand in creating. And and it becomes such a big part of your life and your ego that, like, you need it to be a certain way. And movies are not like hamburgers. You know, you can't... It's not going to be the exact way you want it to be every time because it's it's not mm-hmm. one dinner made for you. It's one piece of art meant for a million people. You're just going to have to right. live with some stuff. This, and you can't you can't send it back and, like... Yeah! You know, if... Yeah. And, and we, like, uh, obviously, I'm not... I wouldn't say I wouldn't say I'm not happy, but like I would much rather have had like the intended vision for this. But you know, we got what we got. It's not that bad. But but people, they just it seems like the only way they can enjoy something is by criticizing it and, and being angry and tearing it apart and and trying to send it back when there's just literally no way to do that. And it's just a like if you don't like it, how about you just don't freaking talk about it? Why are you dwelling on it? Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. like that. That's what gets find to me. something that you love and then spend your energy on that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, d- yeah d- I don't know. Yeah. Well, I think that's a. I think that's a good message to end on. Find something you love, folks. Uh, we we love BVS. We love Man of Steel. I actually like this movie pretty well. I'm, uh, you know, I'll say that. But Nick, thanks so much for taking the time. It's good to hear your voice, uh, and and glad to have you as part of the team. Thank you, Sam. It was great talking to you. All right, and thanks to all the listeners for your support, uh, and also check out Suicide Squadcast, Man of Steel Answers, as we always do. Uh, we have a nice podcast Guys, family. seriously, please check out <laughs> check out Su- the Squadcast because they're, they're very positive. That's exactly what we're talking about. Like their view yeah. on on all this, their take on the news is the exact opposite of what all the news is. You know, everybody, uh, all these like all these websites that just exist to get clicks, and they're like, uh, so here's what's going on in the news, and, and it's the way they deliver it. It's not saccharine. They're not like, you know, they're not sugarcoating anything, but just uh, they're also not being dicks. 
And that's yeah. what I like about the squad. Shout out to my boys, the Squadcast. Yeah. And Man of Steel Answers Insight Commentary, Mosaic, is my inspiration. That's why I, I, I even wanted to get into this. Because his, uh, Dr. Awkward's take on this stuff, that guy, yeah, one, he's a genius. Like, I think he's, like, literally actually, like, a high IQ, like, genius person. But, I mean, seriously, like, he, the way he looks at these, like, he, this is art to him. He will make you reconsider every like it's I, I can't I can't say enough good things. Just listen to that show. Mm-hmm. You, if you like this show, you'll love uh, Man of Steel Answers Insight Commentary. That's all I have to say. And the Suicide Squadcast Net- Network, I'll also just put in a plug for that too. Because if you're not thrilled with Justice League and you want to find something that you can be more excited about, uh, there's the DC TV shows. There's a lot that are always expanding, and yes. there's the DC TV Squadcast. And then if you want to get into some comics, Nick has mentioned you know a lot of comics. Um, there's some cool stuff going on in DC Comics right now. They have the DC Comics Squadcast as well. So I'll give a shout out to the full network over there, Fans Without Borders. Even if you want to go into some Marvel and some Star Trek, Star Wars kind of stuff. So a lot of good friends over there. But anyway, if you've already listened this far and you're doing all of that you probably need some more podcasts to listen to so that's why we'll just plug all of those but nick i think it's uh we'll call it a night and uh, i think we'll go about the rest of our business how about that sounds great